be the only dog standing in the middle of the ring. Val Venus, Goldust, Mr. Perfect, and the Godfather back in the rumble as well. Stone Cold Steve Austin is going 29 seconds over the top rope, and he's going to WrestleMania. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And we're coming off of Rumble 2019 from Phoenix, Arizona. What are your thoughts on the Royal Rumble pay-per-view this year, Patrick Young? Oh, ain't it great? Oh, you were very thrilled to see Jeff Jarrett enter at number two in the men's Rumble. I was. Uh, not a great showing for Double J. as uh, He sucked so much when the damn first three rows passed out. It's amazing that he was in a feud with Elias, who he had that table for three with and was very kind to. Yes. Uh, they shared a meal. They talked about how Jeff Jarrett couldn't play the guitar and how he thought that Road Dog had a beautiful voice. Here at the Rumble, they were not too pleased with one another. No, Jeff caught a, uh, a guitar to the head. So For once, yes. He is the on the receiving end of getting the guitar shots. And so he was the only legend or surprise, really, in the men's Rumble. I mean, there were surprises as far as NXT performers, NXT UK performers. Yeah. Guys within the company that you might not expect to be there, but he was the only blast from the past where uh, in the Rumble we're about to review for this episode, you had some actual people that hadn't been around. Blast from the past kind of shocker. And even with Jarrett, he was in the Hall of Fame last year, so it's he was around, he did the table for three, so it's not mind-blowing that he was there. You hadn't seen him in the ring, so that was kind of cool. Not in the WWE ring. I would have never thought we would see him step in a WWE ring. Exactly. Especially after going through WWE rehab and all the issues he had with the company prior to that. I thought the Hall of Fame was a nice uh, gesture to him, but I didn't think they would ever bring him back into the ring. But not only did they bring him back for the Rumble, Patrick. He was on Raw the next night, you told me. I didn't see it. He was. Fill me in. Fill us in. So Elias was doing his typical thing, and he was interrupted by Double J once again. Except on Raw, he didn't come out in his Double J hat. He came out in just a black 
pants and black shirt. Looking more like 2000s Jeff Jarrett. Looked a lot better in this uh, outfit than his 1995 gear that he wore. Uh, well, the that night shit before. was stretched tight the night before Rumble, man. Yeah, there's probably a reason he went away from that gear in his later Shoot career. Damn. Uh, uh, that male Chippendales thing not working out too good for Jeff Jarrett in 2019. But he brought out Road Dog, who wanted to sing uh, With My Baby Tonight. And he sang it with Renee, who didn't know the words. And Elias smashed a guitar over the roadie and smashed a guitar over Double J. So it appears that Elias's road to WrestleMania will go through Double J, Jeff Jarrett, in you, some way. You know that would be awesome if they actually... If I could literally say to you in a month and a half that on the kickoff show because this shit ain't gonna be live oh no on the kickoff show returning to Wrestlemania for the first time since Wrestlemania 11 no he was in Wrestlemania he was at Wrestlemania 15 15 that's right I'm sorry yes returning from Wrestlemania 15 or returning ever um, that's unbelievable first of all returning to Wrestlemania 30 Returning to WrestleMania in general doesn't matter what. But I mean, we're talking what twenty, almost twenty years over. 20 yeah, it years? would be twenty years because this is WrestleMania thirty-five. That's so what. 20. I, yeah, twenty years, twenty years, almost to the day because that's it was happening early April as well back then when WrestleMania. Yeah, twenty years. And he has been uh, hired as a road agent and a on-screen performer. They. From what I've read from all the uh, dirt sheets is that he's going to be a feel-good performer. Someone that, much like a Fit Finley was later in his career, just something for the kids, someone to just put on entertainment. You know, like... A little flashing sunglasses. I don't know that they're going to go that route, but he's still going to be just having a good time, Jeff Jarrett. The double J flashing hat. Now, his attire at... Royal Rumble was not flashing that much, Patrick, so I do have a bit of a problem with uh, with it. it. That's the only thing you have a problem with, with his attire at Rumble? Well, and yeah, it was a little tight for uh, a man of, <laughs> of gonna, his size. I was going to say, dude, jeez. The Rumble card overall, I thought the Women's Rumble was very good. I'm glad that they didn't rely on bringing the, the Divas and the Legends back for it, because that was mainly, that was most of last year's Women's Rumble. And at Evolution in that Rumble, they brought a lot of them back. So if they were to bring them back again, I thought that would be kind of lame. They did bring Maria Kanellis back. I wasn't a huge fan of how they got Becky Lynch into the match because... So Lana in the kickoff show was injured in the Rusev-Nakamura U.S. title match. Uh, Nakamura moved out of the way and Rusev ended up inadvertently knocking her off the apron so she got an ankle injury she was number 29 since we knew who number 30 was that was Carmella so Lana was having this ankle injury I thought they were going to do like in 2014 with Daniel Bryan where you think like oh Becky Lynch well she's just not going to be in it because they've already called out the 30 people we know who the 30 people are and so once Carmella comes out then Becky Lynch comes out and Lana's still limping on the side and the trainers and Fit Finley are checking on her And Becky asks Fit Finley, not Shane McMahon or an authority figure. And that's the only problem I really have with... So you're upset that it was Finley. Yes, because he's not an authority figure. He is a a a, backstage producer. He's a a road agent, right? Well, yeah, he has no... But he's not an on-screen character as a boss. Not Sasha Banks, but an actual boss. Like, if it was Triple H or Stephanie... The McMahons have taken over the shows again. So if it was a McMahon that said, yes, like, 
Especially since she's on SmackDown, it should have been Shane. He had a match earlier in the night, but had she gotten the okay from him and gone in there, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. I know that they probably did that because that leaves open a match with Charlotte to say, well, your Rumble entry was not validated by an authority figure, so now we have to fight. And which it was on SmackDown, which it was brought up. Didn't like the way that was done. Other than that, I have really no problems with... I was surprised they went with Becky because I thought, knowing this company and the way they do things, it seemed almost too logical to go with Becky because that is the natural opponent for Ronda. So I said, okay, Charlotte's going to win. And so when they actually proved me wrong, I was kind of shocked because in the men's rumble... It was the same thing where I thought Seth is the logical choice, so maybe they'll go with Drew McIntyre, but they totally ditched that, and he was eliminated by Dolph fucking Ziggler. Yeah, so they, it was weird, it's weird to see this company actually book the logical choices, because they usually do not do that. You're right, yes. Casey Cananzaro literally was the standout for me in the Women's Rumble, because she fucking owned that damn ring. Well, it was cool seeing a female doing cruiserweight stuff. Yes. And that's what she was doing. And also, I think she had one of those comeback spots from where she was almost eliminated and then had to, like, walk her way back right. on her hands or something. Right. Her and Naomi both did one, which I thought was kind of stupid that they did two of those in the same match. But I watched it with one of my friends that doesn't watch a lot of pro wrestling, but he was impressed by her as well. And yeah. I didn't know who she was because, yeah, she's been on NXT. And yeah. a lot of the NXT women they brought on there weren't week-to-week performers. They're still mainly in the uh, performance center. Some of them were UK talent. The NXT yes. UK. Yes. But in both the men's and the women's they used a few UK performers. Like Pete Dunne was in the, yeah. was in the men's. Dude, he had a great showing in my opinion. He, yeah, he did fine. He was a late entry. It just worked. But anyway, back to back to her. Kudos to her. Uh, definitely polishing her up for another month or two. I see quick rise to the main roster oh and i think after especially after but that, view, that showing it kind of reminds me of though what they had with bailey because i thought bailey was a really special character too but when you have a wrestler like kanazaru who's like a cruiserweight who's yeah. not japanese because like Kyrie sane does some cruiserweight type stuff yeah. those real lightweight japanese women they have on the roster they've never had a female that does hurricane runs and shit like that. That does. I mean, they had Lita doing moonsaults, but they didn't have. She did. She did a hurricane run every now and then, but you never saw like actual luchador stuff. And with her, she has a. Uh, she also has a gymnast background. Right. Yes. So she has the abilities and the flexibility to do some of this stuff that other women and the cardio. Yeah, that other female wrestlers aren't capable of doing. I, she's a very special talent, and I really think she is going to go very far. And I just, I was, my standout of the entire pay per view was her. Yeah, she definitely made an impact on the Rumble matches. Uh, the rest of the card, uh, the Seth Rollins win, like I said, wasn't a huge surprise. It was a surprise to me, though, that they had Drew McIntyre, as I said, eliminated by Dolph fucking Ziggler, because. Those were the two candidates to me that were going to win the match. Oddly, they had Braun Strowman in this match who replaced John Cena. Now, what was odd about this is because a few weeks ago, they took Strowman, Vince took Strowman out of the title match. He said, you're not good enough or whatever, and Strowman threw his limo over. 
and they said, okay, you can't fight Brock at this pay-per-view. What is the logic then, Patrick, of saying, oh, well, you can't be in the title match, but you can be in a match for a title match. So I thought that Braun being in there, to be the last eliminated, it was a cool visual because he's a big guy. And it's always, the you always, it goes back to like the Benoit, like the guillotine, and they almost did the the Benoit elimination. The same thing, yeah. Yeah. It's always, it seems like it's very important for them to have a big man be the last over, but um, just didn't make a lot of sense for me. For me, though, when you think of a battle royal, which is technically what the Royal Rumble is, you think of big guys. They didn't have a lot of big guys. Andre the Giant made that specific. But no big guy has... I mean, Taker, yes, but no real big seven-footer... Has actually won this Has actually the- won the damn thing. So I was sitting there thinking, like, as we're getting down to the final, you know, six, four... We're down to the final three, and I'm going, Braun's going to win it. Like, I had sold, I'd have sold you everything I had <laughs> and bet that money because I swore up and down Braun was going to win it. And I, they, I mean, they swerved me because I was thinking, you've never had this. You're finally going to have this, it, which makes sense to me. Well, to me, I think that they've given Braun, what, two or three cracks at Brock. To me, it was almost like if they had done that, it's almost like what happened with Roman Reigns, where he had two or three cracks at, at Brock before he finally beat him. Yeah. And by the time he beat him, it's Beach Ball Mania. No one's no one gives a shit, and it's a terrible match, and no one cares. And so, right. I think they just were looking to avoid that and keep Braun for another day. But if you're going to keep Braun for another day, then just don't even have him in there. Why are we not putting the fucking title on him? They they've quickly killed what momentum I thought he well, had. I think that a lot of this had to do with Roman uh, and Roman being having to leave due to illness because they turned Braun heel to fight Roman, but then had to quickly change him back because now we need a top face. And that really, really hurt him. Like, in the middle of the year like that, to just have the rug pulled out from under you. And he was also, I mean, they had a faction. He had a faction with uh, with McIntyre and Ziggler and those guys. Like, they, they had something and then... Out of their control, they had to totally change the plans, and that's you can't really blame anybody for that. But I felt like his momentum was totally just stalled, right. and also the constant losses to Brock because that whole year when they were building up for Roman, they had Brock dropping everybody with one F five, including Braun, and right. I think that hurts. Like it should have where one for everybody else. The credibility wise, it should have been at least two or three. At least, yeah, for a bigger opponent. For Braun. I feel like they're not doing him justice. He's a special talent. Oh, he's definitely special. He's a a freak. I mean, he's he's an amazing athlete and and a big guy and has really come a long way in just a couple years of squash matches to, to actually... To being over seven feet tall, to having the body build and strength that he has... With his bodybuilder background, he is a he is a phenomenon, just like Brock, basically, a a very unique style person that you can truly build something around. And I just feel like they're dropping it with him. They don't know. It's like they won't let him be what he could truly be. It's right around the corner. I I think that after Mania, I think he'll be 
in prime position, he'll probably be the SummerSlam match for Seth Rollins would be my pick. But to me, like, you have to give Seth Rollins this moment because in the past year, I think he's been the most consistently good performer on the card. And there's just... You have to reward good performance with opportunity. And they finally did that for once in my eyes because, like, uh, I thought Seth the past year has been a real standout every time he's gone out there. This was a fine uh, Royal Rumble card overall for 2019. Uh, The one match I did not like was the AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan match, and that's because of the finish. It wasn't even just the match placement because it was put after the Women's Rumble, which it shouldn't have been. I think the Women's Rumble should have gone on last again because uh, Becky Lynch is the hottest star in the company and Ronda Rousey is the hottest other star in the company. So why not close the show with that? I don't know. But the match placement did hurt it. But if you're going to end the match with a interference finish, it does not need to go 20 minutes because... Where's the logic in that, Patrick? Like, right. Okay, so Daniel Bryan, we're to believe, had Eric Rowan waiting backstage. So why not say, oh, give it about five minutes and come out and do your thing? Yeah. Why? Why even risk? He risked losing his title for twenty minutes and before he called his buddy out there. Like, so I thought it was a really stupid. When you do interference finishes, okay. Here's here's my rule for interference finishes. If the face is going to overcome the interference, it can go 20 minutes. Like, if Sting is going to take out the entire NWO, yeah. it can go 20 minutes. Yes. But if Sting's just going to get beat by Hogan, it needs to go five minutes when he gets beat up by the NWO, yes. if that makes sense. Yes. Because, like, you're not going to get what you want. The face isn't going to overcome the odds. He's just going to lose. So if he's just going to lose, have make it quick. And see, my thing of it is, is that... And this pay-per-view went on until midnight, by the way. So five and a was it five hours, wasn't it? Well, if you include the kickoff show starting at five p.m., then it would have been seven hours. Seven hours, but five hours strictly just of, of wrestling, of yeah. straight of straight rumble, not yeah. just the kickoff show. Just straight well, two rumble. kickoff matches between six and seven, if you want to count them. So I'd six hours total. Like it was insane. Yeah, and. But, I actually enjoyed the Brock match. You know why? Because it was quick. I didn't think the storytelling in the Brock match made a lot of sense because the story going into it was Vince telling Finn Balor, I don't believe in fairy tales. You can't beat this guy. Guess what? He lost to that guy. And so I didn't really like the storytelling in that match, but it was quick. So whatever gets whatever gets it out of the way. Also, I just need some fucking explanation, Patrick. The Demon has never lost on the main roster. Why the fuck is he not being... So why don't... Yeah, tell me why you can't put the fucking paint on. Yeah. Explain it just in one line. Like, backstage interview with uh, whoever. JoJo, whoever. Mike Rome. Finn Balor. You know, are you going to summon the Demon tonight? No, and this is why. That's all I need. I just need one line to explain why you can't channel your superpower in the biggest spot that you can channel it in. Like, yeah. when I see you come out without it, it's like, you're losing tonight, buddy. <laughs> I, that is so true. And he, on TV, he had been winning without it, so I guess maybe that built up some sort of confidence in, you know, paintless Finn Balor. It's crazy. I have no idea. It would be like if Undertaker wrestled as Mark Calloway most of the time, 
but he knew that if he channeled the power of the Undertaker, he would win, but then just showed up as Mark Calloway <laughs> at big spots, like against world champs like right, yeah. wrestlemania 13 oh tonight i'm just mark calloway guys sorry i just i left my phenom shit at the house sorry so uh just a little explanation there but the rest of the card it was fine shane mcmahon and the miz are yes shane is finally a champion again and his punches are still Holy awful fuck i've seen better punching in uh children fighting. You know what's bad, though? Because he thinks they're good. No, That's what's bad to me No, about. what's bad is this man who's over 50, because he's pushing 50 if he's not I think over, in his late 40s, probably. He's late... Okay, this man in his late 40s pushing 50 gets on that top rope, and I'm thinking, hell yeah, it's old school Shane, and then I'm thinking... Before he even takes off, I'm thinking... Uh, he, he's, oh, he's 49, yeah. Okay. 49. I'm thinking he he does not need to do this shooting star because he's too old and will not get all the way around. And luckily he did, but that son of a bitch was close, dude. (laughs) That was close. I almost thought it was another Brock and Kurt Angle moment at WrestleMania 19. That was really fucking close. Well, he did the sign of the cross before he did it, (laughs) so even he knew. That was really... And I'm glad that they they caught him off guard coast to coast because he's at that age oh now. yeah you're not gonna make it he's at that age now too where he he can't make it well it's well and they also teased the elbow drop through the announcer's table and didn't do that but right. i think they're saving that for me like i think he can get and what was weird about his match too is the last time like that mania match with taker like the raw or two before that or smackdown or whatever he was on he had six he had a six-pack abset like this yeah. dude is jacked underneath yeah but he was so intent on rumble match keeping his t-shirt like from coming up keeping his jersey from coming up he didn't want anybody to see what was under there he's got nothing to be ashamed of he's in fine (laughs) shape like i just thought it was funny better shape than you and me oh definitely he's about to get like belly bellied and you see him like tucking his shirt in he's like oh i don't want my shit to come out like he was in good shape a couple years ago so i know that was weird to me like i don't know but uh yeah, so it looks like we're heading to Miz and Shane at Mania because, I mean, the, the Miz big is, blow up, yeah. Yeah, definitely going to turn on this and, guy. And Maurice is going to make her return, I'm assuming. This is. I think this has to do with fathers because since Miz's father was there and that was the celebration, and it's like, oh, Shane, where was your dad? Where was your dad to raise your hand? <laughs> So I think it's going to be Mrs. Father in his corner and Vince in Shane's corner or something like that. And I don't. Does know. Mrs. Father actually take a punch? No, I don't think Vince or his dad take any bumps. Maybe they try to aid each other's. They slide in weapons or something, but or maybe they brawl with each other. That's dad, what I'm saying. It's they brawl. So you need Joey Styles to say dad fight. You're going to go back to like WrestleMania. 24 or 26 or whatever when Trump clotheslines Vince and just starts throwing these terrible punches. Like, you're going to have these two old men on the outside, which I'm saying old, but Shane's old too. Is is Mr. Miz going to going to lay out Vince McMahon? That's what I want. That's the true match right there. <laughs> yeah, That's for, the true match. Forget Miz and Shane. We just need the dads. A yeah. dad fight. That's the true match. Well, I think that's the direction they are heading in. So uh, that was my rumble review. I think uh, it was a very, it was a good rumble overall. It wasn't one great. Yeah, it wasn't like something that I'll remember. Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of memorable moments in it. I would put it up there as a memorable one. 
believe mm. it or not. I'm going to put it in a, like a 2001 or a 2002. Oh, geez. That is too high a price. Or a 96 it. Rumble. I think it's more like a 2010 Rumble, the one that we went to in Atlanta, where it's like, it was fine, you know? There's, But if you ask me about it today, and like, hey, what do you remember from that? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, some yeah. people won... Also, I mean, Becky Lynch, earlier in the night, tapped clean to Asuka. So even like her night. But, I mean, WrestleMania, when Rollins won the belt, when he cashed in his money in the bank, he lost clean to Randy Orton earlier in that night. So this yeah. is something they do. Like, I just don't... I wish that there was a DQ finish in that. That match needed a fuck finish. Like, you not know, just, oh, I'm in the Oscar lock, I'll tap out now. You know what would have been awesome, though? What's that? Becky had won the title and then just did that and won the Rumble. And had a unification match. And had it, well, well, or just do it to make, just to shake shit up, to be like, oh, I, not only am I the champ, I ran through everybody else. What the, who are you going to give me now? Kind of thing. Just something along those lines. It'd be kind of cool. Well, I almost thought they were going to do the uh, 94 Rumble finish where they both went over. They and both hit went the, over, yeah. That's what I was thinking, and we were going to have a triple threat. I still think we may have a triple threat. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But even if Charlotte isn't in that match, she's still going to be in the SmackDown women's title. So she's still going to have a prominent part of the card. Yeah. It'll be fine. Um, Back at Rumble, there was a kid sitting front row who had an AEW shirt. And there's now video footage shown of the man this kid being told that he needs to remove his shirt. Yes, well, this happened a few weeks ago at the SmackDown across the street from the AEW press conference where these people that have the AEW merch, some of them affiliated with the company with Pro Wrestling Tees, which is, look, they say that they are not owned by All Elite Wrestling, but it seems like they are a subsidiary of All Elite Wrestling or going to be purchased by them. So they tried to come into the, they tried to buy tickets with their AEW shirts and they were turned away. And then people got into the arena and they were told you can't wear that shirt. Well, it was people that were going to be sitting in very prominent positions. And this kid was going to be he was on the aisle way and that Chase Field this they were coming out of the dugout. The set looked awful by the really? way. Really? Cuz I liked it. I thought it looked awful because you couldn't tell that it was a dugout. You, it had very, you know, there's no pyro. You had very limited trons. I just, and I hate those, those 3D fake fucking graphics, those augmented reality graphics with, like, floating words in the oh, air and yeah, shit. I like, like I, I don't care for that. So, I, anyway, they had to come out, and then they had to make a turn, and it seemed like he was in one of those turns. It was like a WrestleMania 14 type setup where you got a... Like a 45-degree turn there to get... Or Nitro at the uh, MGM. Like yeah. Like, you had to come yeah. out and you had to turn. So, he was at one of those corner posts or whatever, so he was going to be on camera all night. And so, they said, you know, you can't wear that shirt. But this kid had a t-shirt on underneath, which tells me that he thought that this might happen. Now, what he should have done is said, I would like a free t-shirt, please. I don't have anything underneath. And they would have given him a free shirt. But this is something that the company... Before AEW, I've mentioned to you before about the uh, the Macho Man and the Ultimate Warrior cosplayers and the Hogan cosplayers that were on the hard camera on Raw. They were asked to move. Yeah, and and then Rock later that night points them back out. Yeah, well, that was after the show. That was the same night they were taping that part for the Page movie, which looks awful, by the way. Fighting with my family looks like fucking shit. I'm going to see that because it does look interesting, and I will give you a review. <laughs> 
It, don't waste your money. Please don't go see it. I, I, I see it. It looks like dog shit. Uh, the kid had a t-shirt on underneath. Uh, he was able to then just wear the t-shirt he had underneath and it was no big deal. And on SmackDown, there were people on the hard camera side up in the rafters that had AEW shit on and nothing was said to them. So it's just a policy that the company does. And see, but this is where you and I differ on this topic. I believe 100% you buy that ticket you come to that show. Feel free to wear what you want. To I mean, unless it's against the law, like nudity or something. But feel free, because you bought that right to enjoy your freedom of speech and enjoy a show. A show that you bought a ticket for. As long as you're not crossing that barricade, but you're staying in your seat and you're having a good time, who gives a fine fuck what shirt you're wearing? Well, see, I, I agree with you, because if it was my promotion, that's how... I would treat things, but they've also done this with the beach balls. They're yeah. ripping up beach balls. Yeah. You can't have any fun in the crowd. You know, they can't control the chants that go on, but if they could, they would, because yeah. they they are hypocrites when it comes to this. They, they love to sit there. When it benefits them, they love to scream about freedom of speech. Like, a few years ago when the all-American Jack Swagger, when his... Uh, don't tread on me flag gimmick with uh, Zed Coulter was being criticized. They said, well, it's freedom of expression. Or when Linda was running for Senate and there were people showing up in WWE shirts and they had to, like, fight some ordinance about, like, the Connecticut didn't want people showing up in WWE. Well, it's our freedom of expression. But see, when it when it's something, they, they're hypocrites about everything. So yeah. this it doesn't just stop with uh, freedom of speech. It's with everything. It's it's why do you give warrior awards to people that warriors didn't? He said ring crew. You're giving them to people. You're you're putting warrior t-shirts on breast cancer survivors despite warriors saying terrible things about people wishing people had cancer and shit like that. So they're hypocrites about a million things. And so it doesn't. And they take your sign away. If you had a sign there that said something they don't like, they can take that away and rip that up. So they've never had... You've never had freedom what of speech What happens if you there. deny? What happens if you deny it? Because you bought your ticket. You have your right. They can't control you. They can ask you to leave. I mean, it's in fine print on the tickets, I think. Really? Yeah. I think that they... And it's in that announcement, I think, that's made before the show. I mean, it's just the same if you were trying to bootleg the show on a video camera or whatever. Well, that they, I see, but... I, mean, I know, but they can ask you to leave. I mean, it's... They rented the arena for the night. They're they're the lords of the arena. And the only the only part that I'll back them up on this whole thing is I understand not giving you free advertising as far as if you're gonna be on my cameras and you're gonna be in an AEW shirt, why would I do that? That doesn't make yeah, a lot of no, sense. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. And for that, I can't blame them at all for doing that. For not wanting to give but free advertising. But if they're going if they're going into section three hundred up in the upper rafters and saying, Oh, you can't have your shirt, well then I have a problem, but it doesn't seem like that's who it's affecting. It seems to be like people on that that might be visual because I don't want to give out free advertising, basically. Right. So And I can understand that, but at the I can understand that and respect that, but at the same point in time, I still am a diehard fan of you bought that ticket. You, If you want to look at me and call me an SOB sitting in that seat while I'm in that ring, as long as you don't come across that barricade, you don't spit across that barricade, throw shit. you don't throw shit across that barricade, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, what if I'm, in, if I'm enticing that much heat off of you. Well, that's a good thing, yeah. 
It's a good thing. It, if because you're the fan, I'm the, I'm doing what I'm doing for you. Yeah. Love or hate. So if they're buying the ticket to come to the show, the fan is always right in my just like the customer's always right in my book with general thing. The fan is always right. The fan has that right to wear whatever the fuck they want to wear. Well, and I think it's a it's a bad message to send to your fans when you when you turn them away or, or tell them to wear a different shirt. But like I said, at the same time, it's like, do I want an AEW logo in the background of my TV show? That yeah. I'm being paid $2 billion to run on USA Network, that it's a very big part of my income. It's my primary product. Fair enough. So Shouldn't you have stayed ahead of the curve before all this shit happened and not, not gotten blindsided by it? What do you mean by that? Like... If you're putting on a better talent, if you were putting on a better show, if you were putting on quality product, nobody's wearing a fucking Impact shirt to SmackDown. Well, I don't think they can even... <laughs> I don't know where they'd know where to buy one at. But you, you see what I'm saying, though. All In was watched by more people than a circumference, a a just a... Than a Ring of Honor. Than an a Impact Ring of show. Honor or an Impact show. Or... Or of even a SmackDown or Raw show just out of that month alone. Because that was their dead, dead zone. That was their dead time. And so AEW, with All In, jumped on board and it took off. And I'm looking at it like, you brought this shit on yourself if you hadn't had this dead time, realized you had a problem and didn't, didn't handle it in advance. Well, and I think there's alternate ways of dealing with it other than making people swap shirts or whatever. You could always just say, why don't you sit on the other side and just ask fans to swap. A fan on one side, not on the hard camera side that, that's visible, you could just have him move over. Or give him a fucking luxury suite, you know? There's other ways of going about this and not such a dickish manner of saying, yeah. okay, take your fucking shirt off, motherfucker. Right. Uh, so I think it does send out a bad message. But now, on the other hand, like, when AEW finally does get this mystical TV deal and finally does have broadcasts, do you think you'll see a Rusev Day shirt in the front row? I mean... Yeah. I That's don't know. The thing. That's I don't the know. Thing. If I want to wear a WWE shirt and I'm going to an AEW shirt and I'm sitting front ringside damn center of the ring but see also well the criticism could be you're such a big fan of this promotion you got ringside tickets why are you wearing another promotion shirt so okay wwe smart enough or you would think they were why wouldn't they just go ahead and use that to their advantage be like that you can hop on that bandwagon for the show of the month or whatever but we've been here we're gonna stay here and nobody's gonna top us they no. could spin it. They could spin it back and handle it in a much professional oh, yeah. Well, way. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Like I said, there's there's many alternatives, and also, yeah, they you they could do like you said, not even address it because honestly, how many of us are actually scanning the crowd as we watch a show? Unless exactly. a wrestler actually like when like Big E hands out a pancake or something, how many times do you even look? And I mean, right? If you you. Like, they're only doing it because social media exists and because there's people that screenshot, you know, every single thing and they'll say they'll circle, you know, something they see. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's better ways of handling, but I do understand not giving your rival free publicity if you can help it. So I understand that aspect, but there are better ways of handling it. That happened at Royal Rumble also 
Ember Moon was injured, apparently. She was injured um, on Raw. She was injured, apparently, before the Royal Rumble. She worked the Rumble hurt, which okay. is very stupid. Uh, but she had a really long run in the Rumble and now has to have surgery. And it's not a good time to have surgery on your arm uh, heading into Mania season. Because yeah. that means you're going to miss your Mania payday. Yeah. Uh, at the rate things were going, uh, there's not a spot for her at Rumble anyway because she's not... At Mania, you mean? Oh, yeah. There's not a spot for her at Mania unless uh, she was going to form some sort of tag team and they were going to have some sort of tag team, multi-person tag team match. Well, I mean, we're having the, the women's That's the, the chamber. Yeah. So, um, they're really... Unless there's like some kickoff... Because they did a women's battle royal last year on Mania. That would have been her only spot anyway. Yeah. So, And uh, I think maybe next year she'll be in a prime position. But uh, this year... She's a hot talent, man. Oh, she's, she's very good. She's I, a very... I've been, she has an awesome finisher. Her, yes. the, the, the total eclipse, the that somersaulting stunner that she does, I think is awesome. It always connects, unlike John Cena's, you know, when he <laughs> tried a stunner, springboard stunner. Hers is amazing, and it, she's it, yeah, she's another rising female talent that is is get the hell out of my way. I'm coming through, kind of talent, you know. Right. So I I think that Bring, missing this year's mania won't be that big of a deal. No. Before I can get all in with all elite wrestling, I need to see a TV deal. I need to see what you or you're actually going to do. I need to see the product. You're you're talking about deals. What about Mr. Moxley telling WWE he wants to leave? Well, his actual name is Jonathan Good. That's Dean Ambrose. And we've also had Hideo Itami, who is Kenta from uh, Japanese wrestling. Both of them have requested their release. Actually, Dean's contract is up in April, and he is just not going to renew his deal. But Hideo Itami is, has asked for his release, and he showed up at the Rumble. He was in the pre-show match, and... Uh, you could tell he was uh, phoning it in, and he has not had a good run in this company, Tommy. Uh, he was brought in. He was going to be a huge star. Unfortunately, suffered a s- shoulder injury right out of the gate, and then they signed Nakamura shortly thereafter, and so he became the huge Japanese star in NXT, became the champion, moved on to the main roster. Tommy came back, got another injury after he got spiked on his head, so he got a head injury. Then he cracked the orbital of Austin Aries with the GTS, so they toned down his style even more. They even changed the way he did the GTS. He was then put on 205 Alive, which is just a wasteland, unless you can get out of there. Like, Mustafa Ali has been promoted now to SmackDown, so you can make it out of 205 Live. You gotta really dig your your way out. Oh, yes. Yes. When you are there, it is a wasteland. And, And obviously, they feel that same way, too, because... You know, most talents, when they ask for their release, they are denied, and they are kept to their contracts, but in his case, they said, yeah, okay, see you later. And so he will get his release, and then have a 90-day non-compete, and then probably go back to Japan, where he can, he's 37, hopefully he can reinvent his career. As far as Dean Ambrose goes, like I told you a couple weeks ago, I'm done with this guy. As far as uh, Jonathan Good, uh, John Moxley from his... CZW days like he just has failed to deliver every opportunity he's gotten every time that he is the spotlight every time he's the focus if you go back to that 2016 brand split he was the number one draft pick on Smackdown he was poised to be a big star he was the champion yeah 
But then immediately he, two months later, he drops the belt to Styles. And yeah. every match he has, every time he's put in a position to have a great match, he fails to deliver. And every time in that Austin podcast, he had excuse that Brock was lazy. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt then, but then every match since then, his last match was Seth Rollins in the December pay-per-view. TLC, I guess it was, or whatever. It was an awful match. It got booed. It got booed out of the building. And if you're having a bad match with Seth Rollins, who's the best performer on the in the company right now, even better than AJ, I think, as far as he's just got better cardio. I mean, this dude's a machine. Like, if you're having a bad match with him, and you, you've got no fucking excuse. Because Dean, after his injury, came back. He was jacked. He looked ready to actually go in there. He looked focused. I think he's upset with his heel turn and the comical things they had him do. Because the night he turned, when Roman announced that he was ill, I thought, wow, he's this could be something. And then they did all the cartoony shit with him that they did before yeah. when it was wacky Dean Ambrose shoving the hot dog cart with ketchup and mustard and doing all the wacky, oh, he's a wacky guy. And, yeah. And now he's a wacky guy because he thinks the fans smell bad and he's getting vaccinated and he's dressing like Bane. And But his matches are still shit. And even if your character is shit, if you put on a good match, I can forgive all that. But he can't even do that. Uh, I don't know if he's interested in going to All Elite. I don't know if he's interested in going back to Ring of Honor or to CZW or if he just wants a break. Because it might just be time for a break. Maybe he just needs a mental break. But Renee recently signed a new contract, so she's going to be there a while. His wife is still going to be there. Which makes me think this is a ploy for to get more money for another contract. I don't, I don't think so. I think that, based on what I've read, that he was offered a seven-figure deal of some sort for I don't know how many years, but he turned it down. And he just said that he was frustrated, that he didn't like hokey shit, and that's the widely termed... Uh, quote apparently he doesn't like the hokey shit and he doesn't like scripted promos but if you watch that Austin podcast this man needs scripted promos because he's not a very good interview sorry I like the guy like I told you before we started recording out of that shield trio I thought this guy's poised for big things he was uh, the favorite wrestler of many of my friends and I thought he was going to be awesome but just didn't turn out that way and it looks like after Nia Jax entered the Men's Royal Rumble at number 30, took out R-Truth, who had earned the spot, beat him up, took his spot, so she turned into China and was in the Men's Rumble. Uh, she was on Raw, and after Dean lost to Seth Rollins clean in about five minutes, uh, they came back from commercial, Dean was about to cut a promo, Nia Jax came in the ring and basically scared Dean Ambrose away. So it looks like we are going back to 1999 and they are going to make Dean Ambrose job to Nia Jax on the way out. And uh, if that's the case, then, well, I mean, what can you do? Because you're an employee and you just do what you're told. But you could say no, but you'll be tied up in contract hell like Neville was for a year or whatever. And... There's always the possibility that they could do like they did with Mysterio and say, well, you were out with this injury for a year. Uh, We'd like to hold your contract, freeze it for a year. Which is odd because in any other sport, that shit doesn't fly. You can't say, oh, well, you had Tommy John surgery last year. I know you're a great pitcher this year and your contract's up, but you owe us a year. But they seem to do that in wrestling somehow. And uh, so don't know what the future holds for Jonathan Good, Dean Ambrose, but... 
Uh, I hope wherever he goes next that he's more focused, and if he wants to continue pro wrestling, that is. And uh, I hope he's more focused and ready to work, because I just haven't seen the uh, work ethic there. The company has left the door open for him to return. In their statement, they said, we hope that one day he returns. So this isn't something that... They're not ending on necessarily bad terms. It's just a difference of opinion, a contract is up, and he's leaving. A lot of people have speculated it might be a work similar to CM Punk in 2011. That's what I'm thinking. It's going to be, or it literally is a holdout for more money. Seven figures is one thing, but when you well, can I, get, when you get, listen, you can offer me a million dollars. But if you say, hey, hold out two more weeks and I'll offer you two million, I'll hold out two more weeks. I would imagine he would be written off after Mania, so that's something we're just going to have to wait and see. Moving forward, though, uh, we have a new United States champion. He was not able to be a part of the uh, Royal Rumble, the thirty number 30 entry, but uh, he was jumped, unfortunately. However, he did go on on SmackDown two nights later and become the United States champion. Yeah, I had to wrestle two matches on SmackDown. Two matches, and ran through, ran through both of them, man. Well, there was kind of a weird finish with the... uh, There was a fuck-up on that match. Yeah, with the Nakamura match. Well, but I don't know. I think it was supposed to be, though. It it seemed like a scripted fuck-up. Kyoto doesn't fuck up a lot. Kyoto doesn't fuck up a lot. and So that's when I saw it happen. I I kept watching. I was like, I don't know, man. That's Either they sold that shit really well, or that is not how it's supposed to happen, but the finish was going to be him going over anyway so they said fuck it we'll just go with it but then they wouldn't have had the rematch or whatever or the triple threat or whatever with rusev uh so yeah our truth has taken this u.s belt and as i told you before we started recording this u.s belt is fucking worthless sorry (laughs) it's more worthless than my wcw title i got at the fucking goodwill for 99 cents this belt was on the pre-show of rumble it doesn't get you anywhere if you have it it's just it's almost like the ic belt if you have this thing it is not good news for you that means you are stuck in mid-card hell as the ic champion at the rumble bobby lashley was eliminated in about 17 seconds so (laughs) if you have these mid-card belts that might be a good thing to have on your resume but uh as far as actually in the in the show in the body of the show it means you are fucking stuck you are going nowhere anytime soon, and the fact that our truth has one that tells you where these belts are at. This is not John Cena U.S. Open Challenge, where it seemed like this belt had some prestige, where there was some intrigue brought back to the belt. Now, if our truth comes out next week and has a U.S. Open Challenge and it turns into an awesome thing, or he actually elevates it, but the Money in the Bank briefcase is actually the secondary title. That's that's what it is. That's, that's just true. the fact. Is number one contendership, a rumble win, or that briefcase? That is what keeps you a top guy without being the top guy. Yeah. And those secondary belts are just like they might as well be handcuffs. They're handcuffing you to the mid card. Yep. Well, uh, we found out that Superstars is going to be on the network. Yeah, they haven't put all the superstars on there as far as the episodes. They put. Uh, the year 92 to 93, I think, around the time that we did our last review, the Survivor Series and that Saturday night's main event, 
because they lost the rights to before it was called superstars it was superstars of wrestling and they lost that trademark to somebody it was one of those rare times where they forgot to renew their trademark so they lost it and so they would have to blur out anything that said uh superstars of wrestling so anything of wrestling would have to be blurred out. So I guess they were lazy and were like, ah, we're just not going to fool with that yet. Just fuck it. <laughs> yeah, so they, they put up a, a year or so of superstars. But, I mean, it continued into the late 90s as a morning show on the weekends. Uh, it carried over. It came back, though, and even carried over. Oh, well, yeah, the the more recent superstars, more recent superstars. Is, is on the network. The, yeah. Those uh, 2000s when they brought it back on WGN America. Yeah. And then... Uh, then it was just a network special, right. and then they canceled it in favor of 205 Live. But uh, the there was a Saturday morning version that I think evolved into like Livewire or something like that, and uh, that continued until 96. Like the the power box ring or something at one point in time that they were calling it, it was a quick little Saturday morning thing. It lasted two weeks or something yeah i know i think live wire might have been on saturdays and superstars might have been on sundays i remember those morning shows i actually love those morning shows when i was a kid but uh i want shotgun saturday night on on the network by the way there's definitely a void out there for a syndicated pro wrestling product outside of ring of honor which is on sinclair stations but a syndicated wwe show uh i think there's a void out there for that you know there's not I mean, they have main event, which is, you can see on Hulu, which is basically their syndicated show, but it's more of a recap show, and I would like to see just matches with wrestlers you don't usually see, you know, yeah. a Zack Ryder, a Kurt Hawkins, you know, I just to see what they can do. Or just... a returning Hornswoggle. Oh yes, the other big return at the Rumble is he chased away, uh, who did he chase away? Oh, Carmella. no, it was uh, Zelina Vega. Yeah, Zelina Vega. Yeah. Well, she did get eliminated before he chased her away, but he almost, it looked like he couldn't qualify for 205 Live. He was, uh, Hornswoggle's a big dude for a little man. Uh, but yeah, Superstars is on the network, and I kind of wish that it had been uploaded maybe a week before our Saturday night main event thing, because... i like to have gotten all three, really. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, uh, Papa Shango putting the curse on Warrior as one of the episodes where, like, Warrior, like, goes into convulsions and, like, throws up like bleeds from his head, yeah. like, weird purple liquid. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out of, the, out of the Superstars episodes they did put on there, but the network has changed streaming providers, and I don't know when that change actually goes into effect, but I don't know what kind of effect that's going to have on archival content release because uh the streaming service they had that was running the network got bought by disney and they chose to not renew the contract with them and they have switched to who does ufc fight pass that streaming provider and so i don't know if like we're gonna have a big delay in archived content because of the switch over so We'll have to see what happens with that, but there's some definite gems on there that I would like to check out. Like, yeah, I was in. I was really excited to see that pop up when I was watching Rumble. Uh, you know what this weekend is? This weekend is Groundhog Day. Well, go a little deeper, sports wise. Oh, the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. You know what happens on the Super Bowl? 
Well, halftime uh, heat. Well, twenty years ago it did. Uh, but they, guess what? It's happening again this year. Yeah, they brought it back, and they brought a good year to bring it back. Because I don't want to watch Maroon Five. I could give a fuck about Maroon Five. So it's a good time to bring this back. It's a six-man tag between NXT guys, uh, the top guys in NXT like Velveteen Dream, Cole Gargano. Alistair Black, uh, Ciampa, the oh Ricochet. So they have the basically the top six guys in NXT yep. are going to be a part of this. I think it's a great idea, especially when you're facing a weak halftime show like Maroon Five. So uh, no, and it's on the network. It's actually I think it might be on USA as well. I've got to double check that. So it might actually be on cable. But brilliant idea. I yeah, think. I'm I'm happy to see it back. I'm hoping Mick Foley referees this match just out of shits and giggles. Don't think we'll be seeing that, but I hope there's no forklift involved. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it won't be an empty arena. Jake Hager. Jake Hager, better known as... That'd be Jack Swagger. Wins his very first MMA match. Yeah, about that. So he (laughs) uh, decided to sign up with Bellator. He signed up two years ago. And this was his debut. But he took on J.W. Kaiser. And this guy looks like your drunk uncle who likes to work out uh, on the weekends and takes some karate classes. And he's 41. He's 6 feet tall and he's 220. Uh, He only had one pro fight before meeting Mr. Jack Swagger, Jake Hager. And he lost by punches in 24 seconds to a guy named Mike England. And uh, he lost to Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, in 209 in the first round by an arm triangle choke. So, Jack Swagger off to a winning way in Bellator. But, like I told you, a traditional wrestler uh, and someone that doesn't have the size of Brock Lesnar is going to run into some problems when he gets into Brazilian jiu-jitsu experts, karate experts, martial arts, because he has no background in that. Uh, but if he can establish uh, some defense for that, if he can work out the kinks in a few years, uh, because heavyweights can fight into their 40s, and Jake Hager's getting up there, he's like 37 or 38, he can he can have a good run at this. He can probably have a five or six year run at this and maybe get at the end of the day get a title shot in Bellator. But the comparisons online to him and CM Punk, there's just no comparison, guys. I'm sorry. UFC is the premier MMA fighting organization. And if Jake Hager was brought in to fight at the UFC level, they would have given him UFC competition and he would have gotten his ass kicked. And that's just the way it is. So there's no comparison when you're talking about belt. That's like saying, oh, you you want it your indie show. You want an Iron Man match or whatever. Okay, well, come up here to WWE and try that same match. Like, you're great at Little League. Okay, well, you're you're promoted this week to Major League Baseball. Go go at it. (laughs) That's, I mean, it's not that level of discrepancy, but there is a level of competition. Right. It's just, it's undeniable. And so... Uh, I'll be curious to see who he's paired with next, but good for him. I thought it was kind of carny for him to do his uh, We the People thing at the end of it, like he did his wrestling shit at the end of it. I mean, uh, are we gonna are we gonna get a Sebadiah uh, Coulter in his corner? No, he. I don't. I don't think we'll we'll get there. But <laughs> since he's well, he was working with Impact. I don't think he's working with Impact anymore. But Bobby Lashley is undefeated in MMA and fought in Bellator. So that tells you that they can 
Look, as long as he can make money and draw viewers, that's at the end of the day, that's what he needs to do. I'd like to see him and CM Punk in well, an MMA fight. CM Punk would have to put on a lot of weight to make it up to it, or he'd have to cut a lot to get down to that weight. Uh, on a much more serious note, there was a tournament held last weekend while the Rumble, the same weekend as the Rumble, and it was the Bruiser Brody Cup. That's right. It was held at the ECW Arena. It was uh, apparently shown on Fight TV, which is an app you can get for your phone. And it, they had his widow was there yes, to award JJ, the winner. J.J. Dillon, Abdullah the Butcher, Stan Hansen, and Bobby Fulton, who's a great, great guy, Bobby Fulton. One of the fantastics. Um, but Barbara Goodish was there. And that that's the coolest part is... Uh, Spoiler alert, Tommy Dreamer won, but um, that Bruiser Brody's wife was there and was able to to hand this, this cup over to Tommy in the middle of the ring during the show and award him that I thought was awesome. And I, I messaged Miss Goodish and, uh, and just thought that it was great that she is doing what she can as well to keep her her husband's memory alive because i mean bruiser brody has a special place i think in most true wrestling fans hearts for what kind of antics he was able able to do and pull off well and what could have been yeah Uh, he uh, was a major a major coup would have been a major star had his life not been uh, cut short. Yeah. And uh, glad to see that the old ECW arena is still getting work. And uh, I think that's a place that should be preserved. I know it's a, it's an old bingo hall or whatever, but I'm, I, you know, as it long should, as... It should be a legendary wrestling event. It is. It's probably one of the few arenas that I want to go to. I don't care what event's going on. It's probably one on my bucket list as far as like venues that I we want need to, to I see. I want to go too. We need to go. Seriously. Yeah, just to see something there. Just, yeah. Because it's held so many, so many amazing and uh, memorable yeah. things between ECW and CZW and uh, everything that's come after it. I mean, it's... It's it's almost like indie wrestling's Madison Square Garden. It's it's if that you, level. That's true. If you have an indie show and you can book the uh, the ECW arena, then you're booking the highest of highs on the indie circuit. And you're I think you're right on that. You're spot on with that. But congratulations and uh, are in order for for an old friend Tommy Dreamer, and uh, just it was it, very beautifully classically done. I loved it. Um, Daniel Bryan's new title. Have you seen this yes. hideous thing? I didn't think it was hideous. I thought it was fine. Really? Yeah, because if you have a custom championship, at the end of the day, the Smoking Skull belt isn't a very attractive belt. The Rated R Superstar belt isn't an attractive belt. The Spinner belt is fucking hideous. Uh, if you have a custom belt and it's for your character, then whatever your character may be, it's fine. The Brahma Bull belt, that was fucking ugly too. I'm sorry. Like, the Jeff Hardy TNA belt that looked like a butterfly. It almost looked like the Divas belt. It was awful. If you have a custom title, like, I don't even... I don't rate it, like, as, like, opposed to... I can never... I would never compare that to, like, the Winged Eagle or, like, Big Goldie or anything. Because these are custom titles. But you're talking about a title belt that has no leather. It actually is carpet. It's carpet. 
Well, it's hemp, yeah. Which is carpet. Well, no, it's... Hemp is... It's almost like, um... I guess the word is tweed. It's... Hemp is like a version of weed, but it's... It doesn't have any THC or anything. It's like the non-feminized version of the cannabis plant. But you can, like, weave stuff out of... It almost... It's like a... It almost feels like ropey. It's got, like, a ropey feel, feel to it, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, grainy feel to it. Okay. So it's it's the strap is made out of hemp, and the the wood blocks wood blocks instead of whatever they used before instead of the the gold plates and then stones instead of uh, jewels. Yes, but in line with his character, it, it makes sense. And well, yes, and in line with his personal feelings as well, it, it works. I just it's butt ass ugly. And yeah, but the real title to me is Butt Ass Ugly. So if you make a version of that, I don't care what you do to it. It's just like I saw some people on Twitter comparing it to when Naomi put like glow lights on the female's title or whatever. Those titles are fucking ugly anyway to me. If they're made out of wood or foam or plastic or whatever, it looks like shit to me, man. I just hate the new title. So, looks, so. I got a question for you. Yes or no, it's truly made out of hemp because I don't believe he's able to fly with it if it truly is. I think it's made out of carpet. No, he could He could fly. Hemp's not illegal. Hemp is... Hemp it can be... Hemp is sold at places. So. Oh, okay. No. You can't smoke it and get high. There's no... The T, there's no THC in it, so uh, and it's made, and it's also wood. It actually would probably be easier to get it through airport security because it's like than the actual belt. Yeah, than the actual belt because that's a big metal thing. Like um, it's explained to airport security. Yeah, like before you get. I do kind of wonder if you have to check the title belts. Well, I mean, like when Brock shows up on Raw, he doesn't even bring his real title belt. They give him a replica one. Really. Yeah, because when he's on Raw, you see the side plates and they're just generic. So they've clearly just said, here, here's just one we've got with us or whatever. Wow. But that makes me think that you might have to check your title belt because those things are fucking heavy. And, like, we've seen it in wrestling. They can be used as a weapon. You could fuck some people up (laughs) with that fucking heavy metal object in your bag. So... But I figured you'd put it in your carry-on. That's what I mean. I don't know if you can get it on your carry-on anymore. Really? Just because it's it's massive and it's metal. That's And it's got sharp edges on. I mean, you could really... I don't know. If any of you have traveled with a replica belt, have you gotten it on your carry-on? Has that been fine? Just let me know. I'm just curious about this. I'm curious about it, too. Because I want to... I think you'd have to check it. Question number two to this topic. Replicas. Are they actually going to make them? Or are they going to sell them? Do you yes, think you... 100%. Do you really? Yes. Well, so they, they sell... To... Dude, they sell fucking anything. I understand that. But you made to tell me they're going to sell wooden blocks that have been engraved with the WWE logo shit on it. And, and people are going to pay money to buy this shit. Yes. When they could make it their damn self. They could. That's why I told Brenton it was the Pinterest belt. You could actually just sit at home and try to make this thing. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, they'll make it. I mean, they made B-Team shirts, which were Sharpie marker that wrote B on a shirt, and they sold them for $35. So they will absolutely make these belts. <laughs> now, whoever beats him and and wins the championship will not be hoisting that thing. I'm sure they'll get the other belt. So this is just a... You know it would be awesome? Is if they take it, whoever beats him, 
and burns it. And burns it. Well, that should be the logical thing. I mean, it's like that would have a trash can beside the ring and throw lighter fluid in it, light it on fire, and drop it in there. It would burn fantastically. It's wood and hemp. I mean, it's organic. It should burn like great. that. Yeah. And so it. I feel like it would be brilliant. Yeah, but I. I don't mind it. Custom titles don't bother me because. Especially when the real belts are so ugly. Now, if this was, if he had the winged eagle belt and, and made it converted, no, and converted it to this thing, I'd say, "What the get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> but like, the real belt is so ugly that this thing—it's just like when people were pissed off that the universal belt was like red. Ah, oh, it's fucking red. Yeah, but it's still fucking ugly because it looks like the other one. The other one's fucking ugly. Yeah, they look like Super Bowl rings, which are ugly. I'm sorry, like. Your logo doesn't have to be the primary feature of a belt, but they don't seem to think that. They don't believe that. Have you seen the new UFC belt? It looks like shit, too. So It looks like a child's toy. It looks like a replica. Really? Yes. The new UFC belt? Yeah. The old ones look like something Ric Flair might walk around in, but the new ones look like... They look fake. They look inauthentic. They look... Really? Yeah. It's It's like in the shape of an octagon, and yeah, their logo is like prime and center... I mean, their logo was prime and center on the old one, too, but it was like gold. It blended in, so yeah. it wasn't a big deal. But Well, last but certainly not least, Impact is joining forces with MLW. Well, they had a, a press release, a joint press release. They're using the, some of the same talent, uh, mainly Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. That's their main primary two shared talents. And WrestleMania weekend, when they've got all this stuff going on, they basically reached an agreement where they will not schedule their shows at the same time. Because I think their shows that they're running that weekend, the start times hadn't been announced. So they have coordinated with one another to make sure that you can go see one and can go see the other. And that the talent also doesn't have to choose between one or the other. So, But this also is in light of, you know... They are small-time players. They don't have the kind of pocketbooks that Ring of Honor, WWE, New Japan, and All Elite Wrestling are going to have. And whatever All Elite ends up doing WrestleMania weekend, which is still... I don't think they're... they're, All Elite isn't actually doing anything because Double or Nothing is in May. So they're not doing anything uh, in April during Mania. So... But they've got all these other people, deep pockets that can do whatever, and that can get they can get talent to exclusively come to their show, and they can yeah. afford it, and they can say, well, you can fuck over this promotion. So these are two small time promotions saying we're not going to fuck each other over. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna work together to make this work for both of us. Right. It's not a collaboration. They're not actually merging or anything. It's sort of an understanding that hey, Patrick, I know you're going to use these two guys. At 6 o'clock. Well, I'm going to use them at 9. Yeah. That's fine, right? Okay, good. That's basically what it's come down to. Because MLW is run by Court Bauer, who doesn't have a ton of money. Impact is run by Anthem Entertainment, who does have money, but has no interest in using it on Impact Wrestling, who's been a money-losing venture for them. And so... Anthem also owns Ring of Honor. No, uh, Ring of Honor is owned by Sinclair. Sinclair, okay. And uh, Sinclair does have a lot of money but it's how much money they want to allocate to wrestling which is what keeps them from being a major player and after the madison square garden ring of honor is running with new japan that new japan partnership if that goes to AEW, 
then you might see a Ring of Honor partnership with MLW or Impact. And also up in the air is Lucha Underground. If that gets renewed again or gets dissolved, all those wrestlers are in limbo. So there's a huge talent pool, and we just have to wait for all the chips to fall. And AEW has to get a TV deal. So there's a lot of uh, what-ifs out there that will probably fall into place more after wrestlemania unfortunately yep. so but right now it seems like mlw and impact are playing nice with each other so that's they're doing what they need to do to survive right for the moment this was your pick it was i wanted we let's specify two weeks ago we did a joint episode we didn't team with mlw or impact wrestling no, but we, we did a three-hour show that we subdivided into a two-hour show and then a one-hour show, basically, which was Saturday Night's Main Event 92 and then uh, Survivor Series 92. Which were only a week apart. Uh, it was two a, weeks apart. Yeah, two weeks, I think. But it was the last Saturday Night's Main Event, so it was their last network show. Like We didn't have Superstars wasn't uploaded then, so we couldn't actually get right. the... Uh, the week in between week. Right, yeah. So we we missed out on that. But so uh you wanted to do Rumble 2002 in honor of in honor of Rumble 2019, you wanted to do Rumble 2002. And the return of Mr. Perfect at uh at that SummerSlam or Survivor Series, I mean. Right, yeah. So we had two back-to-back uh Mr. Perfect returns. He returned from back surgery at uh Survivor Series 1992 and then 10 years later returned from his WCW deal expiring and was able to return to the WWF for the final WWF Royal Rumble as the F. You had to get the F out. That's right. Get the uh, F out. Later in the year after their lawsuit failed with WWF, uh, the World Wildlife Fund over in uh, the United Kingdom. So they they had to get the F out of there. Fucking pandas. Yeah, those fucking pandas. <laughs> uh, so this is the final WWF Royal Rumble. It's January 20th, 2002 from Atlanta, Georgia at the Phillips Arena, the same site as the 2010 Royal Rumble, which we That's attended. Right. And this was when the Phillips Arena was still a new thing. Yeah, in, uh, Georgia. New, new venue. New. Who to thunk? New hot venue, Phillips Arena, which I believe might have been called the Pepsi Center, like the first year it was open, but then it was the Phillips Arena after that. But this whole this whole pay per view was built around the return of four men, which well, I it, which I really loved. It was really built around the return of one man. With three others that just happened to also return. Well, there you was throw Goldust in that one too, because he he was pretty hyped. Well, but it. as far as the direction of the company, there was only one man coming back that they cared about, and he perfect. Not quite. Uh, so this is Phillips Arena in front of sixteen thousand one hundred and six people. The tagline: Thirty men, one match, one winner. With right. winner having a one for the eye instead of an eye. The theme song for this pay-per-view, Cocky, by Kid Rock, which is dubbed over on the network, which really hurts one of the uh, Rumble promos heading into the match. Now, this is off the heels of the failed invasion angle from 2001, which culminated at Survivor Series, which unfortunately marked the end of Paul Heyman as commentator, 
as Jerry Lawler would return from being uh, upset over the cat getting fired. He was divorced, and then he said, yeah, you know what, I think I'll come back to work. <laughs> so we have JR and King as our commentators tonight. We start the night with a highlight montage of past Rumble winners with Polaroid pictures in black and white. To You see the swinging black and white picture of Shawn Michaels. You see the, the Hacksaw Jim Duggan. That was the very first one they mentioned, yeah. So you see, you see Big John Stud. I mean, you're seeing these great black and white photos. It was a good open to it was, the show. It was a very yes, it really was. Now I thought it was weird though that the open mentions that Goldust, Mister Perfect, and Godfather and Triple H are all back. I mean, Triple H had been on Raw and had the huge return, so I mean that was understood. But like usually, you'd want to keep these secret, don't Val, you think? Valvenus. One one return from injury and four legends returning. Val Venus, Godfather, Mr. Perfect, and Goldust. So out of these five men, 30 damn to be 30, out of these five men, one is going to WrestleMania. Yeah. And, my, uh, my, my money's on Perfect. We're at Phillips Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, WWF New York is also excited for this. The Deadly Boys music hits first as they are out with their manager, Stacy Keebler, which I forgot about this pairing, that Stacy was their manager. Really? And she did very little in this match. Very so, little. Uh, other than just stand there. JR and King... I know you enjoyed watching her stand there, though. Oh, King was losing his mind over her. <laughs> he was in love with Stacy Keebler. King is focused on Stacy as Taz and Spike. Yes, they are the tag team champions. Taz and Spike Dudley... Taz, by the way, in 2002 had given up as far as trying to stay in ring shape. It this was, was his last little bit, yes, pretty much. Yes, this was him finishing up. He, I mean, he was walking out. It was like those things uh, that janitors <laughs> wear. They were like uh, little, car repairmen wear. Those onesie jumpsuits. Yeah, yeah. I forget what they're called, but he that's what he was wearing at this point. The Dudleys isolate Taz and hit a modified 3D to him outside of the ring, so he's out. They drag Spike in the ring and hit it to him. Bubba rips Spike's neck brace off. You see, they had 3D'd him on concrete on Raw, so right. that's why he's in a neck brace. Spike hits the acid drop on Bubba, but it takes him out as well. He used too much energy to do that. Spike makes the tag, but the ref misses it, so the Dudleys flapjack Spike. Devon misses a flying headbutt to Spike. The Dudleys accidentally clothesline one another. Spike makes the hot tag to Taz, runs wild on the Dudleys, suplexes everybody. Northern lights Devon for a near fall. Then he tags in Spike, who high crosses Bubba, and hits the acid drop again. But then, here comes Stacy. This is her one moment in the match. She misses a slap to Taz and gets put in the Taz mission by Taz. Yes. But Devon. Save Stacy from the Taz mission. Spike tries an acid drop to Devon, but Devon chucks him out of the ring, and Taz slaps on the Taz mission to Devon, and Devon cries uncle. And Taz and Spike Dudley will retain the tag team championships here in a match that was it was a fine kickoff match. It was a fine opener. Yeah. It was quick. It did what it had to do. It was fine. They, unfortunately, though, for the crowd, they got no tables. Uh, they also didn't chant for tables, which is something now in every Dudley's match, they always chant for the tables. It's just expected. And if you don't get the tables, you feel kind of uh, jaded. You feel kind of robbed that you didn't get the tables. I got ripped off. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was fine. It was like a TV match. And uh, odd, though, that they would keep Taz and Spike as the champions here instead of just giving the Dudley's the belts back. 
Because, <laughs> I, like I tell you, I hate throwing together tag teams. Like, oh, so hey, you, you were an ECW. Oh, hey, Spike, you were an ECW. You're a tag team now. Okay. I just don't like that. They had a good run, though, as a tag team. They had a pretty decent run. Last Monday, William Regal used brass knucks to knock out Edge in a tag match. Edge decked him with a chair on SmackDown, as well as Test and Nick Patrick. He hit everybody in the head with a chair. Lillian is backstage with Edge. She's a backstage announcer here. Fink was still the main announcer, so Lillian's a backstage interviewer. Edge grabs the chair and says, Tonight, the devil will get burnt. Edge, as we just saw, you and William Regal have been fighting with each other for quite some time, and it's actually gotten to the point... Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me cut you off right there. Because Regal talks a great game. How he's been fighting on the street since he was a teenager. How the blood of the English flows through his veins. And we can have a hell of a fight if he wanted it that way. But he doesn't want to. He wants to play dirty. And you know what? That's fine with me. Wanna know why? Check this out. You see that? That's a steel chair. That's what I educated Regal's face onto when I broke his nose. That's what I used to lay him out last week on SmackDown. Regal wants to play dirty. I can play with the best of them. And he always asks, do I want to gamble with the devil? Well, tonight, sunshine, I say the devil gets burnt. It was a very bad Edge promo here. Power of the Punch, William Regal is out next. Evil ref Nick Patrick is our referee. Amazing, after the invasion, they kept Nick Patrick and said, you can be an impartial judge. That's true. That's very true. Edge is out to his Rob Zombie theme and is the IC champion. So this is an IC championship match. Nick has to check Regal's tights for nuts, and he finds some. Down by his dick, which he had to reach in there and get. He went in for him, too. He did. He's more of a man than I would have done. He's thorough. Regal delivers a big left to Edge that puts him down. Edge hits a weak Siguri. Regal hits a modified German suplex, and Edge lands face first. It's like he would start in a German and then turn it sideways. So it's very odd here. Uh, Regal goes for a double underhook suplex, but Edge reverses it for a near fall. Regal then hits a double underhook powerbomb for a near fall. Not a tiger bomb, though, because he didn't sit out. Regal then tries a double underhook something on the apron to Edge, but Edge reverses it into a DDT. Both men crack their heads together as they run into each other in the ring. Uh, We get a heel kick into a suplex for a two count from Edge, and another modified German to Edge, who clotheslines Regal in return for that one. Regal then puts Edge in the Regal stretch, but Edge makes it to the ropes. Edge then puts Regal in the Regal stretch, but he can't lock it in very good and he just gives up. Regal tries a super double underhook suplex from the top turnbuckle, but Edge shoves him down, hits a top turnbuckle heel kick. Regal, magically, Patrick, finds another set of knucks. So Nick Patrick didn't look good enough. Shoves Nick Patrick in front of him, and so Edge spears both Patrick and Regal. Regal then decks Edge with the knucks, and everybody's down. The ref crawls over, Regal crawls over, covers... And I thought, well, there's been enough time here that Edge is going to kick out. Nope. Nope. One, two, three. William Regal, new champion. Uh, the Nucks are the magic sauce. Power here. of the punch, baby. Yeah, Regal gives an interview with Michael Cole and says the power of the punch is a gift from God and a blessing. And it's just going to continue to bless him, William Regal. I've been blessed with a gift. The power of the punch and it is a gift, Michael. It's a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. You hear that, JR? Oh, that was a 
Now the man not only is a cheat, he's a liar. As I thought William Regal was awesome in this match. Actually. Yes, it was. It, this match is really very good. And yeah, most William Regal matches are pretty good. Yes, so. this match is one of your best, better matches of, of the tonight show. Uh, Jacqueline is the special guest referee for the women's championship match. It's going to be Jazz. Do you remember Jazz? Yes, the current NWA women's champion in 2019, Jazz. And we saw it in NWA 70. She will be taking on Trish, the dish, Stratus. Because who else would be champion? Of course, it's Trish uh, Stratus here in 2002. She's got a bad left hand from an attack from Jazz on SmackDown. That doesn't stop her. Jazz, Jazz with a chair will mess you up, and Jazz, Trish found out. Jazz throws right hands before Trish can even get out of her coat, so poor woman can't get out of her coat before she's getting her ass kicked. <laughs> Jazz hits a running splash to a down Trish for a near fall. They roll around after a sunset flip for a series of near falls. Jazz hits a stun gun to Trish, a leg drop for two from Jazz. Jazz gets in Jackie's face about the counting. She doesn't like her refereeing job she's doing. And Jazz and Jackie start shoving each other around. Trish hits Stratisfaction, but only gets two. Then DDT from Jazz only gets two. Then Trish hits a bulldog, a shitty bulldog to Jazz. And I thought, okay, well, she's going to kick out. No, just like in the last match. One, two, three. Trish retains off a bulldog that looked like trash here, so... They were only given about four and a half minutes, so they couldn't do much. I thought Jazz looked really good when she was getting... Like, she looked like she was throwing some stiff shots. Like Yeah. It looked like she was really going to fuck Trish up, but then it just ended. You know why they cut him short? They cut him short for our next match. Oh, well, yeah, because the boss was next. And he needs time, as every McMahon needs 20 minutes for their match. The returning in-ring Nature Boy Ric Flair. This is his first appearance in a ring since Nitro closed. That's right, and in Atlanta, Georgia, nonetheless. So earlier tonight, Ric Flair arrived with Megan and Reed, as they're here to see Ric Flair beat McMahon in a street fight, which seems to be always Vince's stipulation. Every Vince McMahon match seems to be a street fight. Well, it can't be a damn submission. Hell, he doesn't know one. That's a good point. This started in November when Ric Flair was appointed as the co-owner of WWE. You see, uh, Stephanie and Shane and Paul Heyman all had to sell their shares in the company after the invasion was over, and they sold it to Ric Flair. So he is now the 50-50 co-owner of the WWE with Vince McMahon. Flair said, hey, Vince, I looked into your contract, and it turns out it says you're not only the owner, but you're the wrestler, too. And you know what? I think you need to wrestle the Nature Boy at the Royal Rumble. So McMahon doesn't like this too much and gets a lead pipe and beats the shit out of Ric Flair over and over again. And he says, I enjoy it. It turns me on. So uh, Vince very much, anytime a street fight is uh, in the cards, Vince gets very vinced up for this man. You need to incorporate the the video build up for this because it is very very entertaining November 19 will forever be embedded in my mind as one of the worst days of my life what? there's the nature boy what's he doing here? do you know that when Shane and Stephanie sold their stock to that consortium Flair is an underhanded businessman. I'm 
50% owner here. We're partners. We work together. I went through all the contracts, and I happened to pull one that reads, Vince McMahon, owner slash wrestler. That means that you're going to wrestle at the Royal Rumble. Then who's got the to step into the ring with me? got no problems accepting his challenge. He had no call to bust me in the mouth. Flair made the biggest mistake of his life! You know, I'm the kind of guy, just when you think you, you know them a little bit, you find out you don't know a damn thing about him. I want his family, and I want the whole world to see what I do to Ric Flair. Who the hell do you think you are, my man? an icon like Ric Flair. Ric Flair has bled and, and sweat and worked as hard for this business as Vince McMahon or anybody living or dead. I actually have been brought to my knees and left in the middle of the ring by the great Vince McMahon. But the nature boy, woo, is about to make history again. McMahon! Flair at the Royal Rumble. Embarrass Ric Flair. Annihilate Ric Flair at the Royal Beat Rumble. Ric Flair beyond recognition at the Royal Rumble. And I guarantee you, folks, it's not going to be pretty. Now you've got to walk that out. Woo! you got the style and profile. We're going to bleed. We're going to sweat. And we're going to pay the price until one of us walks out a winner. Especially an icon like Ric Flair. Oh, his parts are great. Yeah. yeah. Flair gets a big reception here in Atlanta, and then, holy shit, Mr. McMahon was in a different fucking zip code with his muscles from the waist up. Jeez, I mean, this guy, like, there was definitely no drug testing policy for him as... This was the best shape he's ever been in. This is like, the best shape. This is the best shape of anybody in the on the entire card, except tonight. Triple H. I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah. They get in each other's faces. Flair super sells a shove from Mister McMahon, and then Mister McMahon, oh yeah, Hulk up shows and the guns, brother. Mister McMahon poses some more and impersonates the Ric Flair strut. How dare you? <laughs> Blasphemy in Atlanta, Georgia. Flair tees off on Mister McMahon with strikes in the corner, and then woos. McMahon low blows Flair with a kick and then strikes Flair down in the corner and chops him and poses some more and then woos in his face. How dare you, Mr. McMahon? Then Flair delivers his chops with a woo. Jerry Lawler is absolutely in love with Mr. McMahon's physique. He's more in love with Mr. McMahon's physique than Stacy Keebler earlier in the night. 
Flair does the flare flip in the corner after an Irish whip, and then Mr. McMahon clotheslines him to the ground. Vince grabs a keep off sign off the guardrail and decks Flair in the head with it. Flair whips him into another keep off sign in the guardrail. Mr. McMahon then finds a garbage can under the ring and headshots Flair, who has bladed at this point. McMahon opens it up with right hands and knee lifts. He throws Flair into the post. Flair gets thrown into the steps then. Then Vince steals Megan Flair's camera and takes a selfie with a bloody Ric Flair and, you know, cheeses for the camera for this great selfie as Vince McMahon was taking a selfie in 2002. Then he hands the camera back to Megan, which I thought was nice. He at least gave the camera I want to get this film developed. I don't think it was a real camera, but... Especially because it was in pieces as it was going back to her. but It was flashing. I think, I mean, it flashed it, everything. So I, I think it was a great a, a great selfie picture. I mean, McMahon works on Flair's leg when they get in the ring. McMahon flings Flair's leg into the post a few times. He puts Flair in the figure four because this is a Ric Flair match, of course. Well, then Flair turns it over and McMahon escapes and he says, fuck this. And he grabs his faithful lead pipe. Flair low blows him, though, to stop the lead pipe shot. Then McMahon gets some chops from Flair out on the floor. Flair cleans off the table and removes the monitors, but turns one sideways, and they show the replay of Flair beating McMahon near the table on the sideways monitor. It was a very cool camera shot, where instead of doing that picture-in-picture shit they do, they actually just showed it on the little monitor. Yeah. I thought this was awesome. Like yeah. They gave Kevin Dunn a lot of props on this one. Megan then takes a picture of Flair biting Mr. McMahon, who's now bloody. So uh, there's another one for the this reel of film. What a what a great bunch of photos! To That's develop. what I'm saying. I want I want this developed. I want to see this. McMahon's all busted open. Flair grabs the pipe and decks McMahon. Then he woos. He does a super strut before he puts the figure four on after his flight Ric Flair dance. But of course, this man was just hitting the head with a, a lead pipe, Patrick. But you know what? When he gets put in that figure four, he suddenly wakes up for some reason. And I thought this really, for me, soured the match. Because, like, he should have just been out and the ref should have just counted three. No, Mr. McMahon wakes up when he's put in the figure four and struggles for a few minutes before he then taps out from the figure four, despite being cracked over the skull with a lead pipe. There you go. Your winner and the returning in-ring competition Ric Flair. The Nature Boy. The crowd loved it. He seemed really thankful to have been back on the big stage. He was in ring shape because uh, at the end of Nitro, he was wrestling in a t-shirt. He was afraid to take it off, but he looked fine here. He looked super young, I mean, compared to... I mean, I know it's 2019, but even in his later run in WWE, he looks super young here. Like, uh, The crowd loves it, and he got a great exit here. He looked like 95 flair... From Nitro. Yeah. Like, he looked really good. And I thought this match was really good, too, though, actually. like, Oh, this is match of the night for me. Yeah, I, I think anytime Vince... Vince is really underrated as far as a performer goes when he's in street fights. Like, he knows how to do these. Like, Yeah, he he understands in-ring psychology. And he, he, knows, he knows his limits. Yeah, he, he knows, knows he's, li- he's not going to do anything over ambitious. <laughs> yeah, he knows his limits. And his limits are just enough to be entertaining and do what he's got to do. So, just a brawler. Yeah. yeah. But he's good at it. He's very good at it. So, And he can sell like nobody's business, man. Get oh, yeah. Get his ass kicked and he sells for anybody. 
Michael Cole is backstage with Nick Patrick. Did you review the tape from the Regal match? No, all decisions are final, Mr. Cole. That's what I would tell you. That's what Jack Tunney would tell you. Stephanie, though, interrupts before Nick Patrick can answer and shoes him away. Get out of here. She says, My husband, Triple H, will give a worse beating to the 29 men in the Rumble than what Flair did to my dad. And then she says, Stone Cold will be destroyed as well as that Deborah, who, by the way, Deborah wasn't even on this show tonight. Uh, but uh, she says, Deborah, ugh, what a skank, or whatever. And then Stone Cold slowly creeps up behind her and then gives her the what treatment. What? Uh, he just what's her right out of the interview. <laughs> then Cole wants to interview Stone Cold. Stone Cold just gives him the what treatment and says he's going to throw 29 pieces of trash out of the ring, which isn't true because he's not number one, so he can't throw 29 people out of the ring. He says he's going to win because Stone Cold said so, which would be his fourth Royal Rumble win if he was to win. So I don't... As much as I love Stone Cold, I don't think anyone thought, yeah, okay, you're going to win this for the fourth time, but... It's been kind of cool. I just wanted to say that the beating Ric Flair just gave my father is nothing compared to what Triple H my husband is going to give 29 other men in the Royal Rumble. Triple H is going to destroy Kurt Angle. Triple H is going to destroy The Undertaker. And Triple H is going to destroy Stone Cold Steve Austin. I just wish that Stone Cold's little wife, Deborah, was going to be at ringside because I would like to destroy her. Deborah thinks she's all Uh-oh. mean and tough. Steph. Well, Triple H has taught me a thing Steph. or two. Because you Stephanie. see, Triple H and I, we're a team. I mean, he's here, oh, he's in the room. Right. What? What? I'm what? I'm you gonna flap your gums about what Triple H is gonna do to me? Yeah. Over the top rope? I'm 29 people? I'm You're gonna kick Deborah's ass? What? Go ahead, talk. What? 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 You got something to say to me? You want to talk about the Royal Rumble? Yeah, I'd love to ask you about the. What? I'd love to ask you what? about. What? You want to ask Stone Cold who's going to win the Royal Rumble? Yeah. Who's going to Stone Cold? I said Stone Cold. Stone Cold. What part of Stone Cold do you not understand? 29 pieces of trash. Over the top rope. That includes Triple H, Kurt Angle, The Undertaker. The bottom line, the bottom line, the bottom line is Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to win the Royal Rumble and go to WrestleMania, and that's the bottom line. Why? Because Stone Cold said so. The, the bottom line is the bottom line is one word. What? But yeah, I don't. So cool, it's cold. Stone Cold. Stone Cold. Time for our title match. Undisputed title, as the WCW and WWF title were unified at Survivor Series. And our unified, undisputed champion, Y2J, will take on the people's champion, The Rock. The Rock comes out first, and he is in amazing condition. Like, uh, just looks, looks awesome. Like, he doesn't look like overly jacked like in those Cena matches at Mania like and where he tore all his ab muscles or whatever. <laughs> then we get jacked up Chris Jericho, by the way, who uh, I guess when he 
when they said we're putting the belts on you, I guess he was like, oh, gotta, uh, gotta pump it up a yeah, little bit. Exactly. Here. Huge Rocky chance to start the match. Y2J jaws at the rock, who puts a hand in Rock's face and says, just bring it. How dare you, sir? Samoan drop for a near fall quickly by the rock. Jericho goes outside to regroup like a good heel would. Rock spears Jericho and hits some punches to a grounded Jericho. Jericho sucks chance as Rock gets cut down with a spinning heel kick. Jericho does the come on baby pose cover for a near fall. I want which, I want a three count just once. Just one time. Just one time. That'll probably be his last match ever. That's actually how <laughs> it, he wins. Jericho takes the turnbuckle pad off. This would play a factor in the match, but not until several minutes later. Jericho goes for the walls of Jericho, but Rock just rolls Jericho away. He hits a missile drop kick to the Rock for a near fall. By the way, this is the culmination of uh, his debut. It was you know interrupting yeah. the Rock, and here we are. Uh, what three years later? It took three years for this match to happen. Even though I guess they met at Survivor Series, so. Jericho works a chin lock for ages on the rock. Rock makes it back to his feet, crotches Jericho on the turnbuckle, hits a superplex, then big right hands and a belly-to-belly throw, which the rock's belly-to-belly's not very good, but it's the rock. Bulldog to rock from Jericho and a lion salt, but Y2J doesn't cover. Instead, he goes for a second one and still only gets a two count. Jericho tries a second rope drop kick, but the rock puts the sharpshooter on Jericho, which is a move that this man should never do. I fucking hate the Rock's sharpshooter so much. It looks awful. It's the loosest sharpshooter you can possibly get. I still like you calling it the shit shooter. The shart shooter. Yeah. yeah. Lance Storm then runs down and just like I mentioned to you before we started recording, okay, interference in a match. Okay, this is the worst kind of interference because... Not only does it not help Jericho get the win, it doesn't help The Rock lose the match. Right. This does nothing. Right. This is nothing for nothing's sake. Right. Other than to say, Chris Jericho has some friends. Lance Storm runs down and distracts the ref while Jericho taps to the sharpshooter. That's right, this loosest sharpshooter. Oh, too much pain. Jericho tapped, but the ref didn't see it. Then Christian interferes and gets decked by The Rock. Jericho then rock bottoms The Rock. That's right, for a near fall. The fellow Canadians are then tossed out by the refs as Jericho goes to work on The Rock. Jericho calls for the People's Elbow, which I would have loved to have seen his version of the People's Elbow. But Rock nips up and throws Jericho out of the ring. Rock clears off a table, but Jericho wakes up, tries to rock bottom Rock through the announcer's table... Instead, reverses it and does it himself instead. So Jericho goes through the Spanish announce table. Rock rolls him in and only gets a two count from this. Rock then goes for the rock bottom. Jericho elbows out. Jericho puts him in the walls of Jericho, which I was surprised at how limber the rock was here. It almost looked like a lion tamer than a walls of Jericho. Rock gets to the ropes. He inside cradles Jericho for a near fall. Rock tries a leaping clothesline but takes Earl out by mistake. Then Jericho belt shots the rock. Then evil ref Nick Patrick runs down. But even with Nick Patrick running down, the rock kicks it too from a belt shot. Yep. It's amazing that Jericho and Nick Patrick would work together here considering one of Jericho's matches in WCW was his arm tied behind his back against Nick Patrick. It's true. Rock hits a DDT to Jericho, but Nick Patrick won't count. He refuses, so he gets a rock bottom. Nick Patrick gets all these spots from wrestlers, like... He gets all these glory moments with these top guys. It's amazing. So then, Rock hits a spine buster into the people's elbow to Jericho, but Earl is still out cold. 
So Jericho low blows the rock, rams Rock's head into the exposed buckle, and uses the ropes as leverage with an inside cradle. Earl suddenly wakes up, counts the three, and Jericho escapes this title match, which I assume most people would believe he would be losing. But they had big plans for Rocket. WrestleMania X8, they just didn't know it yet. It's true. They were still holding out hope for Hogan and Austin, so they didn't know what direction to go with and couldn't put the belt on Rocky here, so... That, yeah... And let's be honest, that match was not going to ever happen. No. Uh, thought this was a fine match. Thought Jericho looked really good in it. Hated the interference. I thought that Jericho is a champion. Like like I've mentioned to you before about like small guys, like when Ray is the champion or when Ray's going into a title match, I hate how it's always he's the underdog, how he's always... Even though in this case Jericho's the heel and is the champion like right. he should be given more credit than that like he shouldn't be treated like an imposter like he should be treated like he belongs to be there yeah and i kind of think that i would have rather seen jericho fight they were short on faces though that he could beat in this match so i really don't know who else i would have put in this match but i mean spoiler alert what happens at, at mania is that triple h hey guess what he's a bad guy again so you could easily turn Jericho into a face or yeah. whatever. Just kind of sucks that he had to sneakily win this match only to then be a sucker and look like such a fool at Mania a few months later. Like, trust Stephanie. Like, I. It's still one of the most disappointing things in Jericho's career to me is like that WrestleMania. Like,. I don't know, I'm sure he's glad that he headlined a WrestleMania, but, like, it had to follow the Hogan match, too, like, so the crowd was dead yeah. anyway, and trying to sell me on the idea that Stephanie's in his corner and not Hunter's, like, I knew beforehand, like, this is not going to turn out not good one, for you. Yeah. Good and bad here. Uh, I'm glad that they kept Jericho as a champion, but knowing what was going to happen to him... I think this pretty much, if you were really paying attention to the product and you saw Jericho walk away after this, you knew basically who's going to win the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Like, because Rock had already headlined WrestleManias before, and so he would if he if he's not walking out with the belt, then you know that they're going in a new direction. Shawn Michaels is at WWF New York, and he looks high. He is prepping for his return <laughs> later this this year. Yes. Yeah, he's getting ready for his big SummerSlam return. He's in a Texas flag shirt and a cowboy hat. Terrible dresser. He says he loved the Flair and Vince match. Hey, I agree with you. At least Shawn was being honest here that he liked that match more than the title match. And they say, hey, Shawn, who do you pick for the Rumble? And he says, well, I pick my fellow Texans. Uh, Stone Cold or Undertaker, they're going to win the Rumble. So that definitely means they won't be winning the Rumble. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> and if he wanted to go attack, he could have expanded it. He could have said, like, oh, Bradshaw and Goldust. He could have just gone down the list of all yeah. the Texans. Well, I have to tell you, JR, it was quite an honor to be a wrestling fan once again, to sit there and watch, in my opinion, the two most influential men in my professional career, Ric Flair and Vince McMahon, go at it. Was, was surely a treat for this wrestling fan right here. And uh, I tell you, as far as predictions are concerned, it's tough with the Royal Rumble because anything can happen. So as President Bush would say, you don't mess with Texas. So I'm gonna have to go with the two guys from my home state, that being The Undertaker and of course, the man himself, Stone Cold Steve Austin. We get a Rumble preview package, as we often do. But the main point of this package is to 
show us that Triple H returned. Oh my goodness. As they had those months of Coldplay return videos and U2 and all oh, his surgeries coming back. And then he came back and he was... It, well, first of all... The biggest man in the history of the world. That return, though, that place was absolutely crazy. I know. Well, they had hyped it up enough. It was a it was a hot. It's something they hot return. They've man. never learned from though. No, because they've like when Seth Rollins came back from injury, he got a big pop at first, but immediately he, he's like, "No, I don't like you guys." Yeah, he shits on him. At least here they gave you the impression that oh, Hunter's a face now. Hunter's on yeah. our side. Yeah, until Mania, and then it's uh. Fuck, he's still a bad guy. But yeah, that was a huge moment in his career when he returned from his first quad tear of many that he would have. And uh, the two-man power trip had to be disbanded. And uh, also missing this rumble would be Benoit, who had a broken neck. So And uh, Eddie, who was uh, out, was fired during this time, I think. So, really? What for? Drugs? Yeah, or in rehab, one of the two. So the uh, Radical's not a part of... Outside of Saturn, the Radicals, not a... Uh, Who was Dean? Dean... I don't know if they had... Oh, because they had merged the Cruiserweight and Light Heavyweight belt. And I think X-Pac might have had it at this time. So, I don't know where... I think Dean might have already transitioned... Really? Away here. To being backstage? Yeah. So, Fink goes over the rules as he always does. It takes 30 minutes. And turns out Rikishi drew number one. And the returning Goldust drew number two. It is raining gold in the Phillips Arena. Yes, he got his real 1995 entrance with the gold dust. Gold dust throws some rights at Rikishi, but gets thrown over. He saves himself from elimination and low blows Rikishi. Rikishi just tosses him over again, but gold dust hangs on and battles his way back into the ring. The timer ticks down, and it's <gasps> Big Boss Man's final Royal Rumble here in 2002. Look at all these guys. They were in, like, the 93 or 92 Rumble. Yep. I mean, these guys... Had all been veterans of the Rumble before. Goldust gets crotched on the turnbuckle and Rikishi slings Bossman into the same corner. Bossman finally takes Rikishi off his feet with a clothesline. Then Goldust and Bossman double team the big quiche but fail to eliminate him. The timer ticks down again. Bradshaw. Bradshaw is number four, the big Texan. Rikishi stink faces Bossman. The big quiche super kicks Bossman, eliminates him. Then we get a Samoan drop to Bradshaw. The timer ticks down again, and number five is Lance Storm, who is out to dead silence. No one gives a fuck about Lance Storm. Rikishi tries to eliminate Bradshaw. Storm works over Gold Dust. He's nearly eliminated by Lance, but Rikishi comes in and and then saves him. And then Gold Dust takes a hilarious bump from absolutely nothing. So like he he was crotched on the ropes, like nearly eliminated. He comes back into the ring. And then just flat backs, like just falls flat like a trust fall, yeah. and no one caught him. Number six is Al Snow. Of course, he's now known as the trainer of Tough Enough, not just Al Snow. He should have come out here as Leaf Cassidy. That would be uh, great. Clothesline from Hell to Lance Storm. The fans want head. Two-minute intervals this year. That's why everything's taking a little longer. Timer goes off, and number seven is Billy Gunn. Of, the one. Well, of Billy and Chuck fame at this point. Six people are now in the ring. Then Storm takes Snow to the apron and they battle. Snow, that's right, Al Snow eliminates Lance Storm. <laughs> Welcome to the company, buddy. Uh, with a super kick. Then Billy throws out JBL, who is just trying to take Gold Dust out. So 
Bradshaw's done. Number eight is keep rolling, rolling, rolling. The big dog. The big dog in his yard. It's Biker Taker. He comes in. Choke slam to Billy. Big boot to Al Snow. Choke slam Gold Dust right out of the fucking ring. Which Gold Dust luckily grabbed all the ropes on the way down. So that would have been a really bad, bad fall if oh, he yeah. hadn't. He chucks Al Snow out of the ring, big boots Rikishi, clotheslines him out of the ring, and then just throws Billy Gunn out of the ring, so he totally cleaned house, and Undertaker is all alone in the ring. The timer ticks down, and who's going to take on The Undertaker? Is it Triple H? Is it Stone Cold? Who could it be now? Matt Hardy. That's right. Uh, with Lita. Choke to Matt. Lita comes in, gets choked as well. She low blows Taker. Matt hits a swinging neck breaker, which JR calls the twist of fate. But this was a swinging neck breaker. Yes. It didn't look like Undertaker knew how to take the twist of fate. Lita helps him put the boots to Undertaker. But Taker turns the tables and puts the boots to Matt. Number 10. I'm starting to think this thing isn't on the up and up, Patrick. Jeff Hardy. Because Jeff Hardy is out. And Team Extreme is reunited. They gang up. They... They gang up on Taker, all three of them. Jimmy Cordero so wrestles Lita away. So Taker gets another weird twist of fate from Matt, which he takes as a, a swinging neckbreaker again. Then he eats a swanton from Jeff, but then they try the poetry in motion. And Taker just catches Jeff, dumps him out, last ride to Matt, and throws him over. And Taker is once again all alone. Who's going to take out Taker? Who's next? Stone Cold? This. Triple H? You ready? You ready? Maven. That's right. Maven is out to silence. Well, he's actually out to a dubbed over theme because they dubbed over the Tough Enough song on the network. So even if there was a pop, it was non-existent here. I don't think there was anyway. Lita distracts Undertaker and Jeff and Matt, who are eliminated, get back in the ring. You refs on the outside, you should have done your job and keep some order here. I know. So Team Extreme beat down Taker. Taker goes on to say, stay out of my ring and throws them all out. But then, as he's looking out at Team Extreme that he just dumped out, Maven, yes, Maven, of Tough Enough One Season winner, Maven, who is a personal trainer now, who was on, like, QVC a couple years ago. He hits a drop kick. He hits a drop kick. And, oh to my God. To the back of The Undertaker. Taker, who must have been paid a shit ton of money. Flips over this. the top rope. Both feet touch the floor. Maven, listen to me. Fucking Maven eliminates. Maven eliminates The Undertaker. That's right, who had never won a Royal Rumble up until this point. Who had been in the company since 1990. (laughs) Who had, you know, been a world champion. Who just cleaned house with ease. You know, took Rikishi over. No. Dust, I mean, all these guys. Maven. And when he did it, though, he got a huge pop for it, though. Oh, like, dude, yeah. And the, you have to admit, this this right this here... This is the highlight of his career. Yes. One drop kick. But it's the highlight of, of the Royal Rumble match itself in 10 years. There hasn't been a, a sh- shocking elimination as much as this one yes this is truly probably the most shocking yes that i can recall. even watching even watching it back you're like he's gonna hit him sometime i know he's gonna hit him with a drop kick and holy fuck there it is yeah but what i forgot is that taker goes back into the ring and beats the shit out of maven <laughs> brings him out of the ring through the ropes destroys him with a head chair shot welcome to the company buddy Dude, come to the company these, rook these chair shots are brutal and then Taker, asshole Taker, who's a babyface, I think, at this point, Throws. does a Shawn Michaels tribute here and shoves the fucking cameraman down. 
Maven gets busted open a little bit. The guy needs to learn how to blade still. And then Scotty Too Hotty is out at number 12, but doesn't dare go near the ring yet. So Taker just beats his ass down on the ramp. Then goes in the ring where Maven had gotten back in and then just eliminates him. Eliminates Maven. Which I hate this spot. When you're eliminated, you shouldn't be able to eliminate someone in the match. That's just one of my Okay, things. well, he was eliminated anyway. He wasn't going to be able to continue. Oh, well, yeah, he was eliminated from the chair <laughs> shot, yes. But then Taker, he's not done with Maven. No, no, no. He drags Maven through the Phillips Arena near the concession stand. Up the stairs to the concession stand. Yes. As the timer ticks down, Christian is lucky number 13. He, the match is now secondary to what Maven and Undertaker are up to. So we get to the top. We find a concession stand, and there was a very nice, amazing. This popcorn machine was popcorn just happened machine to be was there, right there at the concession stand, and Maven's bloody head goes through the glass and right into the popcorn. You know what's even better? The Undertaker takes a eat hand, some popcorn, takes a handful and eats it. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> And I don't think this was really followed up on. I don't think they had a pay-per-view match after this. No. At No Way Out or anything. This might have been settled on TV, maybe. I but think like, it was the very next night. Or it was something a couple weeks later. He but like, you think this is the Mania program? Oh, yeah. Maven's taking on Taker at Mania, man. <laughs> like, I would have built this shit to the highest of highs. It certainly looked like they were invested in it that much, but yeah, dropped the ball. I mean, and he loses, but... Was Taker at X8? He was. He he, he faced oh. Flair. Oh, that was the Flair match? That was the Flair match. This is the one where Arn interfered. This is the one match that I truly would say Taker could have lost and I'd been okay with it. Oh, I thought Taker could have lost to Diesel at 12. I thought he could have lost to... I mean, if John Gonzalez had been a good athlete, he probably would have lost that match. Uh, he probably would have lost, and he probably should have lost at 14 to Kane to keep Kane as a hot character. So I have several opportunities. Questionable. Yeah. Mine, mine hands down, is 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 um, Flair. Because with the interference of Arn Anderson, and, I mean, that would two legendary athletes like that it took two to put you down you know what I'm saying that would have I can I easily thought that that one that should have been it Christian takes a nap on the ropes as Scotty wakes up from his Undertaker beating (laughs) then he hits an inverted DDT to Scotty then Diamond Dallas Page yeah remember him he's out at number 14 here in Atlanta it's not a bad thing it's a good thing that's right he's the motivational speaker which he would turn out to like be in in real life so Christian hits the inverted DDT to Page, but then he gets a diamond cutter from DDP. Scotty kicks Page through the ropes. Then Scotty does the worm to Christian, but DDP just tosses him out of the ring. So thanks for coming, Scotty Too Hottie. Chuck Palumbo of Billy and Chuck is out at number 15. Then Godfather out at number 16. He's gone legit. He's running an escort service. He is. Not four, not eight, but 12. Twelve hoes. Twelve hoes. And it took him almost all two minutes until the next guy came out to have his party. And the crowd loved it. They yeah. didn't even come to the ringside. Like, they no. didn't walk down the... They just stood at the top. 
Well, he even like he took his jacket off and looked like he was heading to the ring for a second. Then he was like, "No, no, no! I want to go back and party with the hose." Yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, while we're partying with Godfather and the hose, Diamond Dallas Page got eliminated. So we didn't even see that until we see a replay of it. Godfather finally gets in the ring, but by the time he gets in, it's number seventeen, and it's Hip Hop Hippo Prince Albert. As we get a big boot to Godfather from Albert, but Chuck and Christian peel Albert off and just toss him over. Ho trained to both Christian and Chuck, but it misses, and they eliminate Godfather to booze. Yes. This crowd was very pissed that the Godfather yes. couldn't stick around. This Eight. is one where I I actually would have thought Godfather would have got a better push here. Well, I thought he would have gotten a, an elimination yeah. and or st- stuck around for a few minutes at these, least. These legends that are coming back, these four guys. Or it could have been a spot where like maybe he's eliminated but the hoes all catch him since he brought 12 hoes. They could yeah. he could have crowd surfed. He could have done the Kofi Kingston thing. Yeah. Like I mean, he's a very big man, so I guess it would have been it is pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, 18 is Perry Saturn and Cow Trunks for some reason. Christian, Chuck, and Saturn just sort of brawl until number 19 is out. And number 19 is Stone Cold Steve Austin, which the crowd finally wakes up for. And they go nuts. They get the what chance going as he eliminates Christian. Then stuns Perry Saturn, eliminates Chuck, and then tosses Saturn. So now Austin's all alone. And that famous uh, footage of him looking at his fake watch as he is just waiting for the timer to tick down. As he's all alone. Since he's waiting, he says, I might as well go and get Christian for a stunner for good measure. So he stuns Christian and eliminates him again. Uh, He does the same with Chuck. And then he checks the time again. As it's still not time for number 20, which is Val Venus. Val Venus comes in. Austin stomps a mud hole in Venus to what chance? Venus gets some strikes and a knee drop on Austin. Athez press and strikes from Austin. Number 21 is Test. He does the boot choke to Austin and Venus and Tess team up on Austin. They deliver a double back elbow as the what chance start up again. Tess delivers his running boot to Val. Austin eliminates Val, ducks a boot, stuns Tess, throws him out, and Austin is once again all alone. He is. As number 22 is announced, and oh my gosh. The laser lights. It's the game. Triple H takes all two minutes to do his intro. He comes in, and the former two-man power trip explode here as they jaw at each other and then brawl. Number 23 is Hurricane Helms, who I thought treated got treated so badly. In he this slides run. in, grabs, grabs Austin, Austin and Hunter by the throats. Double choke slam happening. They don't sell that shit. They grab the back of his head and throw him out, and we are now back. Once again... It's a one-on-one match. One-on-one, Austin and Triple H. Austin hits a spine buster to Hunter as number 24, Farouk, is out next. Hunter just eliminates him with a clothesline. Austin and Hunter work on eliminating each other to no success. 25 is Mr. Perfect, who is jacked, who at this time was 43, so he was only a year older than AJ Styles is today. Dude, Kurt was looking really good, though. Well, I'm sure he had a little bit of help uh, getting that way, but yeah, he looked... Uh, perfect. He did. Perfect holds his own against Hunter and Austin as number 26 enters. It's Kurt Angle. You suck, Chance. Keep going even after Kurt gets in the ring. This is where he won his gold medal, so it's really weird we turned on him uh, in his Olympic city. Then the chant changes from you suck to what? So you suck what? You suck what? <laughs> so it's combination Angle-Austin chance here. Angle belly to belly's Austin, and then the big show is out at number 27. Choke slam to Mr. Perfect, double choke slam, fails again on Hunter and Austin. So even 
Don't feel bad, Hurricane. Not even the Big Show could do it. But Big Show does manage to double clothesline them. He presses Angle in the air and teases an elimination, but Hunter stops him. Number 28 is Kane. Kane comes in, and Kane and Show do the uh, Hogan-Andre uh, standoff in the center of the ring. Kane then just body slams Big Show out of the ring, which was quite impressive, and eliminates him. But then Austin stuns Kane. Who sells on his knee, a tradition that Kane would do in every match, all the time, takes everything on his knee, and then Angle Olympic slams Kane right out of the ring. So, the big men are done. No Giants, just like you mentioned before. They never win. They're always a favorite, but they never win. Never. Outside of that Undertaker win, there's never been a Giant that's... Yokozuna is like a a wide Giant, but uh, tall tall guys. Yeah, never... 29 is RVD to a huge reaction. I feel sorry for this Atlanta crowd who thought he actually had a chance here. He hits a five-star frog splash. I swear he sailed across the ring to hit Kurt Angle with this thing. Like It was unbelievable the, the distance he got. <laughs> he went three-fourths of the ring. Yeah. Like, he really did. Spin kicks to Austin and perfect. Rolling thunder to Austin. But, oh, here comes Triple H. Pedigree to RVD and that slows his momentum. Number 30, who could it be? What surprise? Oh, it's just Booker T. Can you dig it, sucker? He eliminates RVD, his future tag team partner, to booze. The final five is Booker, Hunter, Angle, Perfect, and Austin. Austin then just stuns Booker and eliminates him. But then he gets it with a pedigree. And so we're down to our final four, Angle, Hunter, Austin, and Mr. Perfect. Triple Germans to Austin, but Angle fails on the third one after Austin low blows him. Angle and Perfect put the boots to Austin while Hunter just sleeps in a corner. He took the last part of this rumble off. Austin works on eliminating Perfect, but Angle then dumps Austin over to booze. So now we have Perfect, Angle, and Hunter are our final three. Perfect goes back to brawling with Angle until Austin slips Perfect out under the ropes. And the three brawl some more. Austin grabs a chair... Head chair shots to Perfect Hunter and Angle, and then Austin just leaves for the night. He was just content with uh, having those head chair shots for those guys, and he was good. Perfect holds Hunter and is like, come on, Angle, hit him, hit him, hit him. But instead, Hunter ducks, and Angle nearly eliminates Perfect. Perfect hits the Perfect Plex to Angle and a neck snap, but then Hunter just clotheslines Mr. Perfect out. And this is the closest we've ever come to a legend a guy that is thought to be past his prime, a guy that's thought to be done winning this thing. Yes. And it's never been replicated since then, or a return. A guy that's a surprise. Like if Jeff Jarrett uh, last Sunday had come in at number two and had stuck around until number 28, I would have been like, holy shit. Like, yeah, he has a chance of winning. Like, But no, they no. never do this anymore. No. Like This is as close as it ever was. And unfortunately for Kurt Hennig here... They never really pushed... He was never pushed after this. Like, it was... No, I know he didn't even make it to WrestleMania 18, so... Well, he wasn't on the card. He was still with the company. Was he? Yeah, he was with the company through the plane ride from hell in 2003, but he was just one of the guys, you know? He wasn't... Yeah. He wasn't anything special, but here he's special. Yeah. So, some weird booking here in the Rumble with Maven and Mr. Perfect, like... Why do these things if you're not going to follow up on them? Right. So our final two. Who's going to WrestleMania? Angle or Hunter Hearst Helmsley? Angle gets Hunter to the apron, but Hunter comes back in. Angle then dumps Hunter out. And just like British Bulldog in 1995, stupid, stupid, stupid. 
Don't ever turn your back on a guy when you throw him out of the ring. And so Angle celebrates like he won. His theme song doesn't play, though, so he's not quite as stupid as Bulldog. Well, he's not. he has no reason to celebrate. Bulldog, actually, he heard his music, so I won. Well, Angle didn't even hear his music, and he celebrates. But Hunter never hit the floor. Didn't even do a one-footed... It wasn't... It, this was no Shawn Michaels no. one-foot sell here. No. Hunter comes in, hits his signature knee to the face, and then just clotheslines Angle out. And the crowd likes it, because Hunter's a good guy. He's returning. Yeah. It's very similar to the Rumble 95 finish. Hunter celebrates for ages, and we're out. We're done. Much like the rest of 2002 and up until about 2005... Amazingly, Hunter Hearst Helmsley has his arms raised at the end of the night, Patrick. It's amazing. Uh, this is a visual you would get very used to seeing here. A uh, forebearer of things to come. I thought this rumble was actually a really good Royal Rumble. A lot of star power, even in the mid-card. Like, even mid-card stars. Like, people... This was, like, the best of the Attitude Era in the mid-card. Because you had Godfather and Goldust sure. and Scotty Too Hotty and hurricane and guys like that guys like in the mid card that yeah they're still mid card and you know that they're not gonna win but like they're still cool and you're like oh it's cool that they're there a lot of star power here not as much star power as in like the 92 rumble or you know like with the big stars like hogan and flair and like i wish i kind of wish that like flair had been in this match i mean i know he was in the street fight earlier i wish that like uh i wish the rock had come back for this match but you the know, Rock just wrestled. I know, but like he could come in for thirty seconds or something. True. Just, I mean, I know if he's not going to win, but well, we still have an NWO invasion on our hands coming soon. So, thought this was a really good Royal Rumble, probably in my top five Rumbles. Uh, but you know, it's all about what you do afterwards. And like I said, they didn't follow up with Maven, they didn't follow up with Perfect, and then Hunter turns heel at Mania. So. It's sort of, it's sort of like, it's sort of like WrestleMania X7 when Austin turned heel. It's like that's a great WrestleMania and that's a great match, but yeah. it's kind of like I know, like it's kind of tinged with like this was a mistake. Like there's some things that happen after it that you know from top to bottom. This is a, a fine show to watch. Like I I sat through it in one viewing. Usually sometimes I have to stop yeah and come back to it, but yeah. I was able to just breeze right through this. So. If you watch this and don't know what happens afterwards, and you don't know really what was happening before, and just see it as an individual... See it as what it is? It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's a good show. It's a really yeah. good show. Um, SummerSlam that year would be better, obviously, for the, the Michaels, Hunter, uh, Brawl, yeah. and survivor series even with the elimination chamber they had some really strong pay-per-views in 2002 2002 they really kicked it up a notch and brought their a game uh and of course wrestlemania with the with the hogan and rock match mainly not the rest of that mania card really but that match in particular was is something that's a shitty match but a memorable moment a wrestlemania moment a wrestlemania moment Smiles on faces. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I would totally recommend this pay per view uh, from top to bottom. I don't think there's anything that's really no. I would bother skipping because even the matches, those first couple matches, they're really short. So uh, there's no reason to skip them, and they uh, probably the worst match on this card is actually the Jericho match with with The Rock is actually my least favorite match on here. I mean, the women's match, since it's only four and a half minutes, but, like... Because I thought Jazz 
I thought that match could have been better had they given him more time, but my least favorite match is the Jericho match. I hate to say it. What would your least favorite match be? If you had to pick one out of this bunch. Oh, Dudley's and Taz and Spike. But that was quick, though. See, like, that's like... Yeah, Jazz and Trish is probably actually the worst match, but it's because it was short. You know, like, they couldn't do anything. And (sighs) Trish won with that shitty bulldog, so yeah, that's actually... That's actually the worst match of the night. Sorry. Sorry, gals. I give you a lot of credit. You were the highlight of the 2019 Royal Rumble, but uh, not in 2002. So on our rating scale, well, what do you think about this show? I love it. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, I think it's go-to for a lot of people. I think this would land in a lot of, uh, maybe not top 10s, but top 20 definitely of favorite pay-per-views. Uh, of all time. So on our rating scale, Patrick Hornswoggle, who was at the Rumble, to Giant Gonzalez. Maybe we should change our rating scale since Hornswoggle's gotten so much bigger. Um, <laughs> but Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where do you rank Royal Rumble 2002? Undertaker. Well, I'm going to give it a Triple H in 2002. So a giant jacked up man who apparently during his quad tear was just uh, working out really, really hard, Patrick. He's Amazing. sitting on his ass just flipping weights. So that's, that's all, yeah. He's, just, he's like, I can't... In his lift. hospital bed. Ugh. I can't use my lower half, but I got my top, my top half looking good. Oh, man. He was <laughs> jacked. I remember when he returned, I remember how shocked I was. I almost thought it was a different guy. Yeah. Like, if he was, like, Warrior and wore face paint, you know, a lot of people thought, like, Warrior had been, like, killed and replaced yeah. with the, when he came back in the bodysuit. If Hunter was, like, wearing, like, a, a mask or something, I'd be like, that's a fake guy. Like, you recasted the part of Hunter Hearst Yeah, right here. that's true. Uh, so it's my pick this week, and, uh... It's time to go back to the world of ECW. Oh, yeah. The Golden Dome in Manaka, Pennsylvania, in front of a staggering 4,634 people, Patrick. November to Remember, 97. November to Remember. Which is headlined by Shane Douglas taking on Bam Bam Bigelow for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Oh man, the triple threat explodes. Now it's true, yes. We have the FBI taking on the hardcore chair-swinging freaks including Balls Mahoney, Axel Rotten, and the Gangstonators. And then Rob Van Dam will take Tommy Dreamer, and then Sabu will take on the Sandman. So a lot of classic ECW rivalries here in uh, November to Remember, 1997. All right, well, that'll do it for this week. Be sure to go to powerslam.tv, use the promo code RETROWRESTLING. You can get a month for free. And you can check out their 4,200 hours of content, including they uploaded some new stuff this week. An MCW show featuring Scott Steiner this week. And be sure to check out PCW Ultra. It's all at powerslam.tv. And you can use the promo code RETROWRESTLING. And we would like it if you did that, because then that would mean that we're special in some way. They would recognize us. But there you go. That'll do it for this week. I'm intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's a clothesline. And bingo, bingo. One day, I was just uh, on the phone. I decided to call Christian up. I guess he's in the gym. And 
you know, his uh, phone went to voicemail. And I just started kind of leaving this stupid message on his phone. He's like, you know, why'd I get your voicemail? What? I said, why'd I get your voicemail? Anyways, I'm driving down the, the highway right now. What? What? I said, I'm driving down the highway. Where am I? And then he just kind of going on with that. And I was just, and he went, rambled on for about five, six minutes. What? And I kept the uh, message going. It was just a goofy, stupid message. But I hung up the phone and I, and I said, you know what? That's an interesting thing there. What? I got to the arena and I was like, man, what's with the voicemail? I was like, he's like, I don't know, I was just messing around and just, we had a couple laughs and then next thing you know, a month or two later, I hear him out in the ring and I could hear it and I heard the what and I was like, oh my God, he can't believe he's doing this on television and he made it work. Your name is Hugh Morris. What? Your name is Hugh Morris. What? Is that funny? Is that humorous? Here I was as a heel and you go out there and you talk all this trash and if someone gives you a verbal threat and they're trying to intimidate you and you just look at them and say, what? 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 That threat has just disappeared because I'm not threatened by it. I, I don't really even give a damn. What? 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 It started catching on. So basically when I turned back babyface, my psychology was, I can still ask these people questions, but before they can answer them, I'll ask them what, just to cut them off. What are you getting all nervous for? What? A little uptight? What? A little rattled? What? You're nervous? What? A little skittery? What? I remember one time we did a pay-per-view insurrection, and we did this highlight reel, and it was one of the best things I've ever done. It was like 20 minutes long. It just told a preposterous, so many what's about, like we went through the band names, like here we are in England, what? Home of the Beatles, what? The Rolling Stones! What? Home of the Who, what? what? Ozzy Osbourne, what? Iron Maiden, what? Oasis, what? David Beckham, what? the Spice Girls, what? the Roll the Dice Girls. Like it was just fun. And if you asked me, give me one word to describe Steve Austin when you were working with him, I would say fun, always. What? Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.